hey, we need your help picking a game that we're going to play in January. Yeah, our January, our dance car is, card is empty. Our dance car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, uh, our dance card is empty in January, and we need your help. Um, that's not actually true. We just chose four games that we want to play, and we're going to let you guys have some influence on it. Because uh, specifically, you guys who have decided to be generous enough to contribute to our Patreon campaign yeah. uh, can kind of uh, guide the hand of fate. Yes. Uh, as it were. Yeah. So we decided yeah, we would like to play an action RPG. And uh, um, uh, early feedback on these four options is that it is a very tough choice. Gary, do you want me to say what the options are? Yeah. The uh, So we got Brave Fencer Musashi. Mm-hmm. We got Bastion. We got Actraiser. We got yeah. Secret of Mana. Yeah, four uh, very different games, all within the same genre. Different kind of developers, different uh, different eras and such, different uh, kind of notable things about them. And, uh, and we did that to make this a real Sophie's Choice for you guys. <laughs> which one of these games will live and which one will die? Which one will we play, you know, like down the road, I guess. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> which one will we do in a year? Yes. <laughs> we, you know, so uh, the... You guys get to help choose that. If you want to help with that, um, go to uh, patreon.com forward slash duckfeedtv. Become a patron. Kick us any amount of money a month. Mm -hmm. um, Get you involved in this poll. And uh, we'll announce the winner when? At the end of the Morrowind series? Yes. Part three of Morrowind, I believe, is when that happens. The poll is open until December the 18th at Mm -hmm. 11.59 p.m. Eastern time, which is is plenty of time. uh, It's absolutely plenty of time. So, So vote early. Uh, don't vote often. Yeah, it's it's. And, I think it's restricted to once per IP. Yeah, what is <laughs> senpai? Please restrict my IP. <laughs> um, <laughs> the uh, yeah, so so the uh, get in there and 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 jump on that. We really appreciate it. And if you're not a patron, um, that's the kind of fun stuff you get to do mm-hmm. for as little as a dollar a month. Yeah. And you get some cool extra stuff alongside that, like early access to episodes. Uh, if you uh, donate above $10 per month, you get postcards and junk. Yeah, it's a good, good fun time. So uh, head on over to patreon.com forward slash DuckFeedTV. Thank you. Oh, anything can happen on a Morrowind day. I'm a happy chappy Bosmer. I've got something to say. Turn those Dunmer into Funmer. I'm as happy as a net. I've got my Betty. I'm a bully and I'm quite the catch. Keep moving, scum. Smooth skin. Do I have to call the guards? Uh, no. Jeez. Um, um... Because uh, um, uh, uh, anything can happen on an open world game Even for a little Bosmer with three symptoms to his name People can be cranky and people can be mean But they'll never stop me from being the funky Nerevarine Keep moving and get out of the way I wish you were dead, Bosmer The less I have to see of you, the better God, God this, this whole island hates me, but Hey, but that's okay I got my quest, no one's gonna stop me Hey Is that Dig oh, That's Dig on her. That's Dig Put the kids inside. Yeah, let's let's get out of here. I'm Dagother, and I'm ready to pounce. I've got more cred than Gallon's got ounces, and I'm gonna raise the sixth house, and that's not all. The Reverine shithead's gonna watch out for fireballs. I I am I'm so sorry.
My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs. It is a retro video games podcast. And this week we are talking about The Elder Scrolls III Morrowind, which was developed and published by Bethesda Softworks for the PC and the original Xbox uh, in 2002. Yeah, the Xbox One, not the Xbox One. Yeah. Um, yeah, and we're going to be talking about this for a while. Yeah. This, this is, this is, uh, this is our second three-parter mm-hmm. that we've done. Uh, Stu listeners may remember Final Fantasy VII. Uh, about a year and a half ago or so. Um, the first three-parter we've done, and this is the first game we've done that is uh, big enough to justify that, and as it turns out, is actually bigger than justifies that. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we very well could be, you know, do a, a bonfire side chat-esque lore exploration of this game, but um, um, instead we're going to do this. Yeah. Um, for, for those who are not familiar, Morrowind is a first-person RPG. You can also switch to third-person if you get the boots of blinding speed and want to watch your guy do this, like, thing. But uh, for the most part, you want to play it from the first person. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you know what's good for you. Like every Bethesda game, the third person perspective, not that useful. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, and uh, you're going to want those boots of blinding speed because this world is it's massive. Massive and detailed, and you can do pretty much whatever you want here as long as it involves collecting things for people or killing people for people. Yes, <laughs> killing people for people. <laughs> Killing people for people. <laughs> yes. The Morrowind way. Yeah. Like, um, I, I almost put, put in, like, oh, you can do whatever you want, but you can't, like, settle down and, you know, compose, you know, catchy show tunes about running around the world. It, yeah. You, <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. Essentially, yeah. There's a, the, the, and we're, we're going to talk about this, and it's going to be hard not to talk about this in the context of the, the series, mm-hmm. which we are. And, uh, you know, I think that we both kind of land in the same place where, like, there are strengths and weaknesses to all the entries. And that's probably my least favorite thing about it is the lack of, cool things to actually do mm-hmm. um the uh the setting though is one of the hugest pluses yeah. for this because it is awesome and uh it it averts like the you know generic fantasy nonsense that you expect from or at least i've come to associate with the elder scrolls games yeah. from kind of the later entries mm-hmm. like this is an alien world like it has this crazy terrain um there's this weird kind of clash between indigenous peoples and uh this kind of uh in, invading imperial influence mm-hmm. and uh it's 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 an entirely different ecosystem so instead of you know most of the time that means instead of trees there are mushrooms <laughs> but also there's just like these these fens and just really gross looking plant life mm-hmm. and are really gross looking creatures and such yeah um just really impressive yeah like and it spans like different kind of like almost biomes right like different regions have different have different terrain um you know there's like the blasted ashlands there's like this rocky coast to the southeast and kind of you see how each of the peoples who live in these places and the towns that crop up kind of like respond to that um yeah and uh like that kind of uh for lack of a better word you know anthropology is uh is really fun to do and it and it makes it much more varied than like oh here is a a, a central european forest and next to it is a central european flatlands right right next to a central european castle yeah with a with a central european lord <laughs> like this is much more interesting than that yeah it's um, like it's weird and gross and off-putting. Like fast travel along the uh, along the southern coast involves riding inside hollowed-out gigantic fleas. Yeah, you know? buses, flea buses. <laughs> yep. Like you, you spend a lot of time on the bus in this game. <laughs> yep. Um, kind of weirdly enough. Mm-hmm. But those things, like that's. I mean, we'll talk about that. Like when we start about playing the game. But the first time I saw one of those, like that, <laughs> that's a real like, man, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In a moment, you're gonna want to yeah. take those things because traveling is a real pain. 
actually. Yeah, like it's it, it's interesting what they do with this. Like they, you know, I kept I keep wanting to say like they eliminated fast travel, but mm-hmm. that's not true. They invented fast travel after this, <laughs> yeah. um, for you know, or, or implemented into the series. And I, in some ways, I like what they're what they do mm-hmm. with it, mm-hmm. at least initially. Like having to travel through this bus system and stuff does force you to get around the world. Mm-hmm. I feel like that needs to be coupled with more interesting quest objectives than go talk to this person in this town. Yeah, because then it just like becomes this game of like, how do I utilize public transit <laughs> to get to this area, which is a game I can play in real life. Like if I have to get to Jubits, I have to figure out which three buses I need to transfer to get to Jubits right mm-hmm. now. It's not that fun, though. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's like kind of the thing. So I appreciate what they're doing with it. And then they also contrast that with like some of the empowerment you get in movement, you know, as you start getting spells and stuff to circumvent some of the more annoying things, mm-hmm. um, it can feel pretty good because this was an inconvenience you can now largely bypass, but cannot completely bypass. Yeah. And this is a thing that comes up when people are talking about Morrowind and its place in the series. Like people really, um, I think reject the fast travel and oblivion and especially Skyrim, um, yeah. like out of hand and cite that as the thing that ruins, uh, the, 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 the series. So there are two schools of mind or, you know, like, like two frames of thought that I kind of hold and that the fan base kind of holds, which is I appreciate how big this makes the world, but goddamn, who has time? Well, it, <laughs> it, it is, it is literally just like a time release thing for me. Mm-hmm. Like, I almost think something like the Lord Vessel would be a good (laughs) solution because, like, when when I'm first getting used to the world, like, it's great. Uh Like, I want an excuse to walk through these places. But when I'm just kind of grinding out endless fetch quests, I would love to be able to do those a little bit quicker or Mm -hmm. alternatively just give me more interesting things to do, which would be a better, you know, like have some less of the content be go borrow this book from somebody, Mm -hmm. you know, or go talk to this person about this and report back. Yeah. You know, um, so if you're listening to this and getting angry about, about us calling for, <laughs> for, for fast travel, um, understand that like we, we completely see the benefit of that and, you know, what, what that does to the world in terms of keeping, you know, everything from folding in on its, on itself into this fast travel singularity. But also understand that there are kind of some ease of use considerations that, that do make it, you know, kind of more inviting or could have made it right. more inviting. Right. Well, and, and and like, as I mentioned, like, it's not just ease of use. It's a conflict between mm-hmm. what, you know, how much you have to actually just the whole point of what you're doing is just go to this place. Yes. Yeah. You know, like if you're making not going to that place, like, I mean, maybe the idea is if you walk there, you're going to run into interesting stuff on the way. But like, mm-hmm. it's just weird. Like um, on the Elder Scrolls wiki, there's a page that's the differences between Morrowind, Oblivion and Skyrim. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're set up in three columns. And I would love to go down that column and just pick my favorite thing from each column like a chinese food menu yeah (laughs) and make that game because like the there's so much of this that is like a thousand times better than anything i feel like the elder scrolls has done and and we'll talk about that mostly in this episode because we'll talk about what we're covering um but then there's so much that just like ends up kind of falling a little bit flat for me even though on the balance i really like the game um one of the other ways that we're going to be uh kind of out of our depth here is the amount of lore um in the game so there are novels like hundreds of thousands of words in game yeah um in this thing like they it takes that uh that codex (laughs) kind of mentality um to the to the extreme yeah and uh i didn't read all of those books um i don't think cole did nope either like i know cole likes to read the things in games but this is just it is daunting the uh the 36 uh lessons of vivek those sermons those amount to about sixteen thousand words 
Um, yeah. If you take the FAQ and just select all of the text from the books and put it in one gigantic text document, it's about 600 pages. And guys, even though I love you, <laughs> I don't yeah, know that just, I'm going to do that. Yeah, it's just it was just too much for like what we're doing here. And like I dig it. Yep. You know, like I like that it's there. I like the conclusions that are drawn to it, even though the actual act of of reading it, I think that is sometimes mm. fairly boring. Not just because like I'm in a game, I don't want to read. Yeah. I'm already reading all the dialogue and stuff. Like I don't mind reading the you know, to as part of the game, mm. but some of this kind of optional stuff. And it's all opt-in, you don't have to do it. Mm-hmm. which is uh, the way to do it. I think that's really great. <laughs> yeah. And there are a couple of like little bright spots that are like actually pretty good, uh, pretty good little, little bits of, uh, of text and prose and such. But, uh, I just, I didn't get deep into it, mm-hmm. you know? So we're going to make mistakes about this lore because it's really, really deep. And we do a general retro video games podcast and are doing one set of episodes on this rather than like, I guess there's an elder scrolls lore podcast. That would be yes. like the place to go to. If you want to hear a really deep mm-hmm. exploration of this. Yeah. So we're going to be dilettantes about it. Like we're dipping our toes in probably maybe one or two layers deeper than the broad strokes. Um, but um, one thing I will say about the text is that it is stylistically very varied and kind of like makes a lot of sense depending on like what it is. Like there is there is one that I think is like 3290 or something like that that is like a whole like history of this war that led from the, you know, from the second age into the third age. And it's told from like a bunch of different perspectives. It's like really, really cool. And you have these different treatises and crazy philosophical religious texts and stuff like that. Like, and it all kind of conflicts. So it's hard to draw like a single conclusion from a bunch of stuff that you read. That's, that's a little bit the point is that they put a tremendous amount of effort, like pretty much a whole secondary team you imagine would have to put this together. But um, if we don't cater to a pet theory, uh, it's just because of that kind of complexity. There are just so many moving parts to this. Yeah. So, for, so forgive us for that. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll touch on where it, mostly where it like actually intersects with the actual gameplay mm-hmm. and, and the main quest as opposed to the background. But all that mm-hmm. stuff's there if you want it. Um, so don't, don't, again, like don't be offended because we're not going to go over it. Mm-hmm. Um, the combat system, um, is, it's an interesting kind of hybrid between what came before and what came later. Um, they're kind of melee ranged in magic and, uh, it's all dependent on stats. However, so even though you're in first person perspective and you swing your sword, even though if it looks like you connect, you don't necessarily connect. Yeah. Um, which is, uh, you know, kind of a, a thing from earlier, uh, CRPGs and, uh, kind of went out of style later and they abandoned that in oblivion. Um, and then there are a series of kind of enchantments and status, uh, equipment buffs and debuffs that you can apply to a situation. So swinging a sword and hitting is really complicated. You know, like what sword are you using? What's your skill? What type of armor is the enemy wearing? How good at that armor are they? Um, how much endurance do you have when you start the swing? How long did you hold the button? Um, there's just a lot of math going on behind the scenes. Yeah. And you can set yourself up uh, for either great success or horrible failure, depending on what skills and which systems you're kind of buying into. Yeah. And there's and they're not balanced. Like those three things are not balanced in this game. Yeah. Um, like I played through as an archer because that's how I like to play Elder Scrolls games and archery is for shit for the most part. <laughs> and I ended up actually just kind of defaulting to my short blade backup skill, um, you know, about two thirds of the way through just because it did more damage and was more reliable. Yeah. If you're like me and you're coming into this from Oblivion, um, you're going to be very disappointed by how ineffectual stealth is. Um, yeah. You know, things like that. That was the uh, that that was the um, school of thought that I that I really kind of like. <laughs> exploited in oblivion yeah and here it doesn't really work in magic um especially for combat like you know is less effective than you would hope it would be as well 
Yeah. And you, and you can get away. Like I did a lot of stealth stuff, but mostly just mm. to steal and get around without fighting. Yeah. And in Oblivion, it is an aid to fighting. Like I have these like very strong memories of like being in a cave in Oblivion, finding like a rocky, dark outcropping to be stealthed and pick people off like guards with with arrows. And it was really, really cool. And here, like they just don't do enough damage to where if you do that, it immediately kind of alerts the person. Um, and even if they don't see you because you have chameleon on or something like that, they just run around like an idiot. Then <laughs> um, it kind of breaks the immersion there. But magic is not totally useless. No. Um, definitely alchemy is worth pursuing, though, um, especially mm-hmm. if you are, um, you know, trying to game your stats at all. However, the the actual process of making anything is very frustrating. <laughs> And and you can't poison things anymore. Nope. Like you make negative po- potions, yes, but you, you can just drink them. Yet. Yeah. Um, which is a bummer because like, yeah, you can't poison other things. You can't poison weapons. Mm-hmm. Cause that was a, again, that's, that's my, my template for these games. It's like, I'm a poison archer. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, a, I'm an alchemist archer. I'm going to steal all your bread, make a bunch of potions into it and then, and then shoot you with poison arrows. And you can't really do that in this game. Yeah. Which is a bummer. But those potions, spells, and enchantment let, let, enchantments let you kind of break the travel and the utility around this. So um, on the short list of things people gush about about this game is like, oh, you can make a potion lets you just jump across the entire world. Yeah. Like the, the, the freedom there in making potions and making spells I think is awesome. Like the, the making spell mechanic I think is really, really cool. Um, and and I, that's something I sorely miss. Um, the whole world that you're, you know, you're jumping over is handcrafted as opposed to being procedurally generated, um, like the game before it. And it's estimated that Marwin took over 100 man years, man, <laughs> bud man year, um, <laughs> to create. Um, so this, this is kind of interesting in a couple different ways. Um, no. Yeah. Uh, if you look at like Daggerfall or Arena, like Arena specifically takes place in a landmass that like it's it's the entirety of Tamriel and you're running across the entire like all of these provinces. Um, and it's about the size of Africa. Yeah. With hundreds of thousands of NPCs. And when you have that, the percentage of things that are interesting is very low. Right. And And this game wrestles with that even a little bit, too especially with the NPCs and we'll talk about that where it's like they've made the step to where everyone is a named NPC, but so many of like determining which ones are interesting and which ones are not, um, you know, an NPC is either like they are a phone book or like they are an encyclopedia or they are the subject of a, a quest later. Yeah. And those are the two th- or a quest giver. Those are the three things that NPC can be mm-hmm. in this game. Um, this was originally supposed to be like Daggerfall in its scope, but they hired up um, uh, in order to in order to um, even achieve what this is. Like the move to full 3D was what kind of de- defined this game, I guess. Mm-hmm. That and also the fact that it came out on console as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, the blight, which is a thing that the force, uh, you know, surprisingly not for good um, <laughs> in the world, was supposed to be originally a progressive force, so it destroyed cities as time passed. Um, so there are these kind of changes that were made. Um, so that was kind of cut. You're supposed to be able to join all five of the Dunmer great houses. Um, but that was cut as well due to time. Mm-hmm. And there are actually like a lot of quests as well. If you take out the wiki that have been, have been cut as cut too. And like any game of this scope, there are fan communities who are trying to put that deleted content back in and, uh, most of the time succeeding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, this was kind of followed up by tribunal. 
um, which takes you to the capital of Morrowind, uh, Mornhold, in order to talk to the rest of these demigods that rule over, you know, Morrowind and, uh, you know, Vardenvel. Um, and then Blood Moon, which uh, gives you a little bit of a preview of what Skyrim is going to be, because uh, that is a province that kind of borders Skyrim. So you see some Nords, you see some stuff that you're going to see later. Um, and they tackle um, vampires and werewolves, respectively. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, the uh, vampires are in the main quest as well, mm-hmm. um, but the uh, werewolves are the big part of Blood Moon. Um, we're not covering those. Um, each one is like 50 hours and their end game content. Uh, so, are you not entertained? Yeah, <laughs> the, the um, I, I dipped my toe into Tribunal for like a second, and oh. we'll talk about that when it becomes relevant. Um, and I'm kind of interested in them. I don't know if I'm going to go back and and you know put in my 700 hours of Morrowind, but I may. <laughs> um, so the games before this: Arena, Daggerfall, and Redguard, which was this action uh, side entry, and then Oblivion and Skyrim, which are the games that everyone kind of more people are familiar with. And and Cole and I are both from, pretty familiar with those games as well. Yeah. Um, so like, I, like I mentioned before, there's this fan community that is, you know, kind of taking up the mantle of keeping this game relevant and working and propping it up. Um, we're both playing lightly modded versions of this. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know which, which set you did. There's a, there's a kind of this bundle of mods called the Morrowind overhaul pack, um, that, uh, uh kind of lets you pick and choose what you're going to, uh, what you're going to use. And that's what I that's what I went in for essentially, which is fixing kind of some of the usability and the bug stuff and then making it look better. So I'm not staring at mud Doritos for uh, 70 hours. Yeah. Dorito, Dorito mud. <laughs> Fudge the sludge. Oh, Dorito mud. <laughs> the... <laughs> yeah. I, I, I use the same thing. And I notably, I like, I didn't use any of the, um, you know, the, the more, some of some of the more severe ease of use things. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, I didn't get rid of the cliff racers. Yeah. Um, because I wanted to be able to talk shit about the cliff racers. Yeah. <laughs> like I wanted the game as it as it is on the page, at least kind of close to it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. Um, so this is the way we're doing these episodes. Um, so this first episode, we're just covering the main quest and probably some generalities. If we don't cover a general thing, it's we will cover it in the later episodes. We have to save a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. So uh, forgive us for that. Yeah. Um, the next episode is going to be kind of about the major, uh, I guess, for lack of a better word, class guilds. So fighters, thieves, mages, and then uh, the, the the Morag Tong. Right. And uh, we split these up because this is, again, a lot of content. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did the Thieves and Mages Guild. Mm-hmm. And uh, Cole did the fighter, Fighters Guild and the Morag Tong. Yeah. And that's going to kind of take the form of a little bit of a show and tell. Yep. Yep. And then same thing with the third episode, a mm-hmm. little bit. Um, because we're going to cover uh, two of the three major houses. Um, I did House uh, Halau, Halu, and uh, Cole did Rudderan. Mm-hmm. And uh, we couldn't do Talvani because you can only do one in the game mm-hmm. without taking advantage of glitches. Um, but we will do what we what we can to to say what happens in those houses. Yep. And the, you know, this the spoiler is like it's just it's it's just a quest line where you go kill people or go pick stuff up <laughs> yeah like like that's what it's gonna be. <laughs> it's a, it's so, a fuckload of that. Yeah. So, and we're going to talk about the miscellaneary quests. Mm-hmm. Um, so like there's kind of minor factions in the game, like the temple and the imperials and stuff. And then, uh, just a whole lot of people just standing at crossroads, right? To mm-hmm. give you things to do. Um, uh, we're going to talk about that. And I'm going to see, um, because of the main, how far I progress in the main quest, I cannot become a vampire. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try to though and see if there's a way to get around that. I think yeah. there, there is and see what that's all about. 
um, just to see how it works in this game because it was one of the things I really liked about uh, Oblivion. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna try and go after the the, the Daedric quests as well. Oh sure, yeah. Which I'm, I'm yeah, that's that's cool. I'm looking forward to, to seeing those because those are a highlight of the later games as well. Yeah. Um, cool. Tell us a little bit about the setup of this series. Yeah, or this game <laughs> of this series. Yes, in ancient times, <laughs> like a, a floating god. <laughs> yes. So four thousand years ago. Um, in the Dark Elf province of Morrowind, there was this battle at Red Mountain, uh, which is this volcano where the still-beating heart of the creator god Lorcan uh, rests. Right, Lorcan, he created the mortal realm. Um, the details of exactly what happened in this battle are unclear, but uh, five of the six Dark Elf houses drew godlike power from the heart, while Dagothur, the leader of the sixth house, uh, kind of wanted more. Right, and and in this battle originally, the uh, there's this this valorous uh, person of House Indril called Nerevar, the Nerevar, mm-hmm. or he's his name is just Nerevar, but it becomes a, an adjective. Yes, and uh, he was slain, mm-hmm. and the the tribal Dunmer uh, to this day believe in the Nerevarine prophecy that the Nerevar will be reborn and return to deliver Morrowind from foreign devils. Yes, and, and uh, in the present day, uh, you know, now in the third era of Tamriel. Uh, the second century of the third era of Tamriel specifically, uh, the forces of Dagoth-Ur are seeping out from behind this massive force field that is maintained by the tribunal um, that kind of seals in Red Mountain. Mm-hmm. You have these yep. agents called Sleepers. You have the Blight, um, which is kind of taking over the land. There are these ash storms that are the, the, that are spreading out. And then this kind of horrific virus called Corpus Disease are coming out and just making life in Vardenfil fucking awful. Yep. Yeah, it's it's this real corruption kind of thing, and uh, our we join our story um, as a prisoner of the Cerodilic uh, Empire is brought ashore under direct orders from Emperor Uriel Septim the Seventh. Um, you're given a little slip of paper telling you to find a man named uh, Caius Cosades, and uh, it's all up to you as this prisoner to follow the calling or ignore it, or find things for people or kill things for people. <laughs> yep, um, kind of a kind of a blanket, um, I guess. Let's 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 just say warning. We're gonna mispronounce shit. Like there oh, is, the, yeah, like, <laughs> there the, is the, no... the fantasy name soup of this thing. Like is so like at some point I don't know what age I became where I stopped wanting to know how to pronounce those things. <laughs> and when I'm reading fantasy names, I just like like visualize it almost like the whole thing was a letter. Yep. <laughs> and that's a collection of symbols that I'll recognize again, but I don't care how to say it. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's just so much of that yeah. in this game. Yeah, and it pulls from weird like cultural things. So the, the, the names of the Imperial people are vaguely Latin. A lot of the Ashlanders, it's like a mixture of Babylonian and like Mongolian names, um, specifically looking at like the like Mesopotamia. It's a bunch of names that sound like something uh, like like a joke about Ned Flanders, like the various Hebrew tribes he talks about. Yeah. Remember yeah. when the when the Hezekarites <laughs> delivered us from the Zacharians? Like, yeah. Yeah, yes, it, like it's the exact same shit. Yeah. So. And and it just there's so much of it too. Mm-hmm. Like I I think that if you wanted to call us out, you could be like, listen, you know, you you imperialist scum dogs, like there's only you should learn about these other fictional cultures cuz mm-hmm. you know, you don't want to be like a, a terrible American guy. And uh but the the truth is there's so many of them that like it just it wasn't really going to happen. Like and I don't want anyone to think that I haven't been like living and breathing Morrowind for a couple <laughs> weeks. Like I've been playing this a lot. Yeah. Um it is not Due to a lack of effort, it's yeah. just huge. This is the most time that I've put into any game for the show. Yeah, it, it's pretty nuts. Like, I, you play, you put in more time than I have because I was uh, mostly, like, being totally honest, because Binding of Isaac came out. Um, but the uh, I've still put in a lot of time into it. Yeah. I'm about the 70-hour mark, something like yeah. that. Yeah. 
which is just and, and that's just a fraction of, of what's there. So, again, so when you start out um, on this boat, um, you actually get this kind of voiceover mm-hmm. initially about the prophecy um, that kind of sets it up. And then you wake up and you're on this boat. And one of the ghouls from Fallout 3 is <laughs> uh, is explaining the situation to you because Bethesda has seven voice actors. <laughs> Like, I know that's an old joke, but it's so true. And they go back to this this game. I'm like, oh, this is the origin of the person with that voice. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just the janitor. They keep him around. Yeah. Well, they're, 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 they're like all the Argonians. Mm-hmm. Like, they all sound like the ghouls. Yeah. And then all of the, the Khajiit sound like, uh, you know, the same kind of Weasley, like, ah, Khajiit. Ah. Like, yeah. they all sound like Wario. Uh- <laughs> And then there's like there's like five white dudes and five white ladies. Well, do you, do you know who the uh, who the female Nords are? No, it's Linda Carter. Wonder Woman is every female Nord. I, I had no idea. <laughs> yep. Weird. <laughs> huh. Yep. But uh, but you step out and you get kind of this this first view of the southern coast of Vardenfell, right? Like where you know everything takes place on this island, which looks hilarious in the map of Tamriel. Like, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's the most artificial looking landmass. Uh, yeah. But I feel like it's important that they that they set it there, like that this is your first glimpse out because you're looking over the ocean and looking at the forest, and that was a big part of what was you know kind of to distinguish this game graphically from everything else. Like they really leaned on Nvidia for like water shaders and shit. So yeah. this is supposed to be breathtaking, right? Yeah, and it still looks. I mean, I haven't. I've I've played this unmodded before. Like this is my my third run up. Attempting to get through Morrowind, mm-hmm. the one I did for the show. It's my second. And, and the uh, this part, even without the the mods and stuff, this is still pretty cool looking. Mm-hmm. Even if it's not because of graphical quality, yeah. just because of design. Yeah, the the, you know, the, like, the art direction and the style. Yeah, exactly. Like that stuff is very strong, and it does kind of is breathtaking. It's interesting the way that it is now, um, maybe more than when it came out, just mm-hmm. because it seems like it, it is in contrast because of how unique it is in a different way. Mm-hmm. You know, like maybe when this came along, it's like, oh, this is a cool new thing. But at that time, maybe it felt like there was like there wasn't as much to compare it to, like quite as much like just kind of brown fantasy mm-hmm. setting as uh, as there as there was at this point. But now, like seeing a game that is explicitly not like Tolkien esque, you know, <laughs> elf forest, like is really, really impressive. That doesn't look like Dragon Age, mm-hmm. you know, I guess what I'm, what I'm saying. Yeah, it's like it's it's aged well, but not in the way you would think it is. It's aged into its own kind of like niche in the greater context of the way these games look. Yeah. 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 Um, um, so you're you're here for processing. <laughs> um, you get off the ship, you head into a, a building and you're kind of doing a little bit of like the tutorial here. You create your character. Um, you choose your your favorite attributes and favorite sets. You can choose a character class. Mm-hmm. Um, there's actually three ways of doing it. There's choosing a character class. There is an Ultima-esque like survey um, that you can do, or you can choose your own mm-hmm. stats, like fill out the form yourself, which I, I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is probably isn't like, this is just going to come up. I don't want to sit down and have like a half hour discussion about character advancement and leveling yeah. Yeah. in this game, because that is a, a thing that will eventually have to leak out over the course of the next three episodes. <laughs> yeah. um, but this is where you're making the very important choices for that. Yeah. Um, don't be like me. And tag, uh, you know, speed, you know, athletics or acrobatics <laughs> as skills because I want to be good at those things, but don't tag them because everyone's good at those things because yeah. you run and jump everywhere because it's the thing that you're always doing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I chose a uh, I was a, I was a oh, gosh, Red Guard Paladin or Knight mm-hmm. or whatever, specifically because I didn't want to level up too quickly in the things that, you know. 
I was going to be doing all the time. Yeah. And I, I did this. I, I was kind of knew that the leveling up system was still fucked up in this, <laughs> uh, this game, less fucked up than, uh, Oblivion, but still fucked up. Yeah. But I, same thing with the, the cliff racers. Like I wanted to like, I want to talk shit about this if it's fucked up. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I'm just going to go into this with, with good faith. Like here are the things I want to be good at. I'm going to tag them. And that turned out to be a kind of a crippling decision, <laughs> um, in a couple of different ways. So I chose a, a Bosmer. Um, you know, marksman thief with a little bit of illusion and uh, alchemy. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I think that our, our, our individual approaches to this, I kind of metagamed it and it was like, I need to see as much of this as possible. So I'm going to look at a guide that gets me the stuff that will give me the biggest advantage in the early game and kind of trivialize some of this connective tissue. Whereas you yeah. were a little bit more genuine about it. Yeah. I was, I was just trying to be able to, you know, because I think I, when I first started, playing it like i i didn't start six weeks ago like i should have i started like three weeks ago mm -hmm. and the uh i was just like i got all the time in the world and then nope you know like this <laughs> this 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 will take as much time as you as you have mm -hmm. like it is a time vampire so like the uh i maybe started out with a little bit more of a lackadaisical attitude and then came to regret it and kind of had to lean on guides a little bit later to get things like i finished the main quest of this game uh day before yesterday jesus christ so, like I, I just finished it like it's not yeah um so it just takes a long time. Mm -hmm. And I was not, uh, for most of that, I was not very powerful. Mm -hmm. um, until eventually I did kind of break it a little bit later, but it was it was not, you know, with character creation. Yeah. Um, and you're set, you're set kind of free into this, like, tutorial room, too, because they teach you how to steal <laughs> right away. Like, it's like, here's a lockpick. Here's a chest. You know, here's a dagger and a table. Like, learn how to do, do your verbs. Mm -hmm. um, and I like the explicit message, like, you're encouraged to steal. In this game, like I can't imagine playing an Elder Scrolls game without taking any like taking things that don't belong to me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like that is such an integral part of of that experience for me. Yeah, but I'm really glad that's right down front street. Yeah, I'm I'm like walking around these rooms, just looking at desks and seeing like what's sitting out and what's behind corners, and you know, oh, this is like behind the door, and all of a sudden I have a really powerful item that I otherwise wouldn't have had because I'm paying attention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And and it ends up making money like kind of trivial, but again, there are systems that kind of undermine each other a little bit, mm -hmm. and we'll we'll talk about that. But like being able to steal with impunity does mean you don't have to worry about money. Um, it just ends up like there is a real weird like economy yeah. going on where like nobody can afford this stuff. <laughs> like why do why are there even items that cost ten thousand dollars in this world <laughs> when not a single person can buy one? Yep. Um, <laughs> yeah. But after this kind of scant tutorial compared to what would come later, it just spits you out into the world. Yeah, it literally says it when you leave. It says, you know, it's up to you now. Like, do what you want. Like, that's that's the last of our handholding. I can't remember the exact phrasing of it, but it's just like, okay, the tutorial's over. Do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. It's a real kind of uh, direct mission statement. Yeah. And, you know, some of the people that you talk to say, oh, you are to go to this um, Caius Cassades. Uh, and Balmer or Balmora, and they give you rough directions of how to get there. And they say, "Oh, there are a bunch of different ways that you can approach this. Um, go have fun." Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And uh, there's a couple little minor quests in this, but this isn't really your Green Hill Zone. Mm -hmm. uh, Balmora is. So um, even though like one of the quests in this area, I actually like the one where you you're with the ring, where you're like <laughs> you have to watch, spy on the guy from the lighthouse. Yeah, that was actually pretty cool. Mm -hmm. um, but and the other big thing here, if you're breaking the game, is to break into the warehouse. Mm -hmm. Um, here and sell or take all the stuff there. Yep. Um, like every before I play type thing tells you to do that. 
Um, but instead, we're going to go to Belmora. Um, they recommend you take the silt, uh, silt strider, which again are these gigantic bugs with hollowed out <laughs> shells. Um, they just have these mournful moans. Yep. Um, they're sad. Seem like sad creatures. Did you, uh, did you talk to anybody about how they, how they steer them? Um, yeah, they manipulate exposed organs. <laughs> so yeah. Gross. Like it's really, really cruel. I like to, when I, when I play these games, I like to imagine the smells in different areas. Yeah. Morrowind stinks, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That exposed organ can't smell good. Um, it is, this is a, the, like cultural relativity is a big theme in this game because mm-hmm. there's like slavery later. Like, you, you know, later in the quest, you straight up like sell a woman into sex slave, you know? Yeah. Slavery, it's, it's pretty gross. Like there is a lot of like, this is a, a kind of a gross culture, mm-hmm. um, that we're dealing with here. Um, you, if you walk to, uh, Belmora, which is a, you know, probably a good idea to see a little bit of this world, at least initially, and you're not going to run into anything too tough on the way. There's a really cool little encounter. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was a little bit freaked out. I heard a scream and then a little ways up the road, there's a, there's a wizard's corpse. Yeah. It's a wizard's corpse, Harry. <laughs> um, and, and, uh, this is, this is a, a, a mage who, uh, created a spell called, uh, Icarian Flight. And uh, it has some scrolls of it, and it fortifies your jump <laughs> by three thousand, but only lasts three seconds. Yep, and it doesn't. So, it doesn't give you a uh, slow fall either. Yeah, yeah. Which you can get around. Like the, these, uh, these uh, potions or scrolls are actually kind of useful. Mm-hmm. Like once you gain the ability to slow fall, you could use this thing to jump across the world and then slow fall mm-hmm. at the end. So like, but at least initially, it is just kind of like I feel like this is a really cool telegraphing of like. These are tools that are not necessarily meant to serve you. Mm-hmm. Like you can fuck yourself over with this. It's up to you to do with them yeah. what you want. Yeah, it shows you an example of somebody unsuccessfully breaking the world and what yeah. the consequence of that of that is. But like it is a a crazy glimpse at what's possible. Yeah, I really like that this happens so quickly. Mm-hmm. And I wish there was more stuff like this. Me too. Um, you know, that I think that's really cool. Um, we get to Belmora. And uh, we're kind of asking around. This is the Green Hill Zone, mm-hmm. and you can do a lot of uh, side quests here. You can run into your first major merchants, and the like. Um, you know, if you if you use daggers, buy a paralyzing dagger. Yep, um, they're very useful. Mm-hmm. And uh, but mostly we're looking for for chaos mm-hmm. here. And this is a huge thing in the game because if you're coming at this from a later installation, you're you're kind of looking for these quest markers but they don't exist instead you kind of like know this guy's name and you're asking around and everybody's giving you directions based on landmarks yeah some of which you know and some of which you don't at this point and in this town it's actually not that bad because this town's very manageable um it gets to be kind of a pain in the ass like later in vivek um or specifically some of the later guild quests like finding ruins mm-hmm. where it's like you know go east if you've hit the mountains you've gone too far yeah turn left at the double forked tree and stuff like that it's like well there are a lot of trees that i would describe as double forked mm-hmm. um what, yeah. what does that mean yeah. the uh so it gets a little bit frustrating but it is cool mm-hmm. you know like a quest marker is a, a breaking of immersion that like there's not a narrative explanation for yeah. usually um, so it is kind of cool and it does make you kind of explore more, but it also like, you know, it's a double edged sword, like as we'll as we'll talk about. Yeah. I would call that like the defining mechanic of this game. Like directions? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like like that's what you spend so much of your time doing. Like and I'm not yeah. like, I'm not saying that as a like a like a value judgment. It's just like, oh, like when people talk about this world, that's uh, that's a little bit what they're talking about in a sideways kind of fashion. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And and again, like I like it. It just I like it for 20 hours. <laughs> like that's a lot of like, uh-huh. um, yeah. Uh, so eventually you, you know, when you find chaos, uh, he is in this like 
you know, essentially this like meth den of of this drug in this world, Moon Sugar, <laughs> which is the best fantasy drug name. Yeah, Moon Sugar is great, <laughs> which you which you refine into skooma. Um, so like skooma is like the cocaine, and this is like the crack, or or vice versa, yeah. or this is like the morphine or or something like that, opium. Yeah, this is the opium, and skooma is the uh, is the is the morphine. Dude, I I got the impression so Caius is not really a moon sugar addict, right? Like this is a cover. Maybe that's what I got because he's so with it, uh-huh. and like that's that's the impression I got was like, oh, he can't because we find out he's a member of this organization called the Blades, mm-hmm. which are the Emperor's kind of uh, secret agents. Yeah, and uh, I got the impression like, oh, he just wants to be seen as a harmless moon sugar addict, mm-hmm. but really he's this you know he's this kind of like ranking agent. Later on, when he's called back to the spoilers, when he's called back to the Imperial City, he says like he he supposes that it's because of his habit, like oh. he, like he like he admits to that. Okay, yeah, maybe maybe not. I just assumed like it was a cool, clever ruse. Oh, he's so like he's so with it. It's a great cover. Like, like I mean, yeah. if you if you are going if you're going undercover, you're going to have to do the drugs. So yeah, he maybe he went too deep. Yeah, maybe like, you know. The, the 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 bad end of every movie about you know narc cops right yeah like uh, Khajiit just said like if you're really not a uh, blade <laughs> snort this moon sugar and then it was just one taste and that was all it took yep first cut is the deepest <laughs> first cut is <laughs> the first cut is the deepest <laughs> yeah. yeah but uh, he just got like piles of it next to his bed and there's like liquor and, like, bottles a spoon yep yeah <laughs> yep it's a it's, yeah it's i a also like how he, he's like he's like if you you don't touch my stuff unless i ask you to but you can sleep in my bed like, <laughs> it's really weird if you need to crash here that's cool yeah i'm just gonna stand and watch you sleep <laughs> sure, and when you go shirtless. to sleep and are attacked by an assassin in the night i'm just gonna stand there and say hello bosmer yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> Um, did, did that happen? Well, we don't need to. I guess I don't know where we should talk about that. Did that happen to you though? Because you have the game of the year edition. Yes. Getting attacked by assassins that are really tough at this part in the game. Yeah. Getting attacked by assassins who just like, oh, I'm going to deliver all this really expensive like, like loot to you. So here's yeah. your payday. Like that was my paycheck every time well, I leveled up. Which was cool. It's just funny that it happened like in this guy's house and he just stood there and watched it. Yeah. As an imperial blade. Well, well, and like, then even even got... later in the quest when like these uh, ash zombies are coming after you, like I'm sleeping in the mages guild and yeah. nobody's oh, doing are... anything yeah. about these. <laughs> Lift zombies. a finger, motherfuckers. <laughs> like this is your house too. We all have to clean this up. Um, <laughs> the, the the assassins thing got so annoying to me. And like when I actually went into tribunal for a second, it was like, OK, I'm going to go take care of this thing because I'm sick of being attacked. Mm hmm by these guys and then found out like oh in this game if you have all of them installed you're level one you go to sleep and there is a a quest hook for like a level 60 quest yep because when you get to tribunal like i barely survived my trip to the like the <laughs> bazaar of the city like, I, didn't, I didn't go into the dungeons or anything like i just went and did one little side thing in like the public sector of the city and escaped barely escaped with my life <laughs> it was it was ridiculous yeah so that i wish there was a way to like opt into that or have that be you know, not as conflicting because you're just having to deal with this kind of high level threat and be enticed by it right off the bat seems a little bit silly. The nice thing is that uh, um, it scales to you. Like when you're when you're in Vardenfell proper, like when you're in the main quest game, um, everything is kind of like ri- you know rising and falling with you in a way that is less severe than Oblivion. So like yeah. these assassins who are coming after you if you have game of the year installed, which is really the only way to buy this game now. Um, you know, they're tricky, but they're not like insurmountable. It's they're not, not like, insurmountable now. Like I ended up uh, yeah, like I ended up like hanging out on the bed and 
and attacking him from there. But like, again, remember my non-optimal build um, <laughs> and how bad bows and arrows, like my, my kite and bow and kite <laughs> and arrows were just barely touching this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, so he tells you, um, he says like, ask around the guilds around here um, about the sixth house and the uh, uh, Naravarine. Yes. Which are kind of these keywords. You have this keyword system. Um, when you're talking to NPCs, mm-hmm. a lot of NPCs share the same ones. Like you can ask everyone for little secret <laughs> and you can ask everyone for little advice. And you can ask everyone um, about a certain someone. Yeah. A certain someone or a certain place. But for the most part, like I like initially I was talking to everyone because I was in like uh, JRPG mode. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, oh, these people are going to have like a unique thing to say. But no, like unless they are a guild leader, um, they more or just somebody standing at a crossroads. Everyone has the same draws from the same set of of dialogue. Yeah, and it gets frustrating too, where like someone will be like, "I I'm think when I'm when you ask me that, I'm thinking that I don't like you very much." It's like, <laughs> okay, I have to raise this guy's disposition, and then you do, and he tells me the same thing everyone else could tell me, mm-hmm. who just likes me a little bit more. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's definitely a conservation of detail kind of thing, which just makes me think, okay, why are these people here if not to just make the world feel bigger? Yeah. Yeah. Again, it like just straddles that line of something that's a really cool idea and something that doesn't quite mm-hmm. work. Um, but I know, like, like the it, keyword system. I, I love it. I love a keyword system. Like that that's you know, that's 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 my jam. Mm-hmm. Um the it just I wish there was a little bit more like I feel like the people who were never going to add to anything mm-hmm. could have maybe had just a unique bit of of dialogue to themselves. And then you would have a couple of people designated in each town who were like these information kiosks. Yeah. You know, who who just know about everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, chaos uh, tells you, uh, you know, and your cover story for while you're doing this is you're an, ad, a, an adventurer, a freelancer is what he or calls free- you. Yep. Um, and what would adventure was what I chose for my uh, class since I that's your custom class. Mm hmm name so i thought that was what that was i know he called everyone freelancer yep um but he actually unlike some of the later elder scrolls games like he encourages you to go fuck around yeah which i really like like hey just go check out the guilds and several points during the quest he says like you're not ready for this go explore the world a little bit more Mm -hmm. which like i like that in a game that is really actually about fucking around definitely It feels it feels a little bit like it like it's actually playing into it. There there there's no false urgency around this stuff. Like the first major quest in Oblivion is like, oh, there's this town that's being sacked. Yeah, but you, you know they can wait for you know a year. Like it's just yeah. the longest siege of you know scamps, you know against yeah, yeah. against Kavach. Like yeah, here. unless you unless you actually do go fuck around and then you show up and all the the scamps are wearing like Daedric armor and shit. Yeah. Like they're not, but they, they scale to your level in a way that like Oblivion is super broken. Mm-hmm. Um, but here, like it feels more honest, mm-hmm. like choosing a slow burn threat like that. Um, and it, that makes me glad that they didn't implement the kind of creeping blight as cool as a, of an idea as that is. Mm-hmm. I feel like that conflicts with like the direct like you're here to fuck around. Yeah. You know, uh, which is what these games are actually about. Mm-hmm. And the kind of the arc of the story, you know, for the first basically half of the main quest, you're gathering information, right? Mm-hmm. And the, the the threat is contained and it's you, you know, it's by you going around and asking too many questions that kind of the sixth house starts getting a little bit more aggressive and seeping out. So, like, you have to be kind of embarked on this before any of that urgency gets gets kind of brought in. And even in the tail end, it's not like the world is falling apart, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's really elegant. In that way, the way those kind of things play together, like by the time I felt an urgency, the this the heat has actually already kind of been turned up. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's a part like at a certain point in the game where it's like, oh, the stakes are pretty high now mm-hmm. um, after you kind of meet this uh, this God King. 
uh, character. And at that point, it's like, oh, I actually want to go do this now. Yeah. You know, so it, it works out really well. In part because it opens up a whole section of the map, too. Yeah. Yeah, that's true, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. So uh, you're going after these guilds uh, in order to in order to get this information about the sixth house and the Nereverine, um, and you're first going to the Fighters Guild, which takes you into um, kind of one of the coolest first dungeons in mm -hmm. a main quest. Like it, it leads with a great foot that it doesn't really like recover from. It's weird. Yeah. Uh, the 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 dungeon design in this game is really odd, mm -hmm. and in like a way, I appreciate how. Um, you know, neutral it is to the player since these are supposed to be kind of ruins that are there. So they don't feel like a lot of them don't feel like they were designed with an invading force in mind, which a lot of dungeons do like the, Oh, this is, this is a, this is a ruin. It just exists. It doesn't care. It's apathetic to my existence, yeah. which I like, but it doesn't always make for a fun exploration experience. Um, unlike this first one, though, which actually is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And they kind of, uh, you know, especially when we get to the guild stuff, like you in the Mages Guild, you spend a lot of time walking around these ruins. <laughs> and uh, this one, it doesn't really quite get as good as this. So Hasfet at the Fighters Guild wants you to recover this Dwemer puzzle box. Uh, the Dwemer are this extinct uh, race of elves that were mistakenly called dwarves um, mm -hmm. that uh, are, are kind of steampunk. Right, like they they were technologically advanced in a way that after their disappearance, no culture has ever really recovered to that level. Yeah, right. And and they have a really cool like as little of the the lore diving as I've done. Um, they have a really cool kind of history. Like they you know decided to transcend their material forms and either were successful or just wiped out. <laughs> like almost all of their race yeah. um, in a really kind of cool way. Mm -hmm. um, and I like the idea of like, oh, these people just aren't around to explain this stuff. So now it does feel, mm -hmm. you know, like um, like uh, like second level magic as opposed to this is the regular levitation magic we use all the time. Yeah, it's this weird ambition where success and failure look the same to the outside. Yeah, and we have no idea what actually happened. And there's actually that's the culminating quest of the mage uh, guild is like trying to find out what happened. Hmm. To the dwarves, and the answer is a big question mark. <laughs> like the answer is like, well, one person says this, one person says this, and that's that solves the quest. Which is the hallmark of everything related to Elder Scrolls lore, by the way. Yep, exactly. exactly. <laughs> two two contradictory ideas held at the same time. Yep. Yeah. Um. So the directions to get here are, are mercifully, you know, direct. Mm -hmm. um, pretty easy to do. Um. You go across this bridge, and there's a necromancer just hanging out, um, <laughs> which I wasn't expecting. Uh, which was kind of cool because again, I was super underpowered at this point, and I was really happy that the way that I ended up taking him out, like I got there's this ridge above the bridge, and uh, ended up just kind of getting up there, and he just couldn't get up to me, yeah, um, because his athletics wasn't as good. <laughs> like he couldn't he couldn't walk up the hill at that steep of an incline, so I managed <laughs> to just kill him and his summon skeletons, mm -hmm. you know, doing two damage a time with arrows. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas I was a wacky sword guy, um, wacky sword fellas. Um, <laughs> I just uh, killed the skeletons and then him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you proceed um, to this uh, to this kind of ruin. And if you don't know what the Dwemer are, uh, this is going to be a little bit of a shock because everything that you've seen so far is you know mushrooms and bugs and houses and stuff. And like, oh, there's machinery. Like you have to turn a valve to activate a secret door to get in. Mm -hmm. 
Yep. And uh, it's it's really just kind of striking when you get in. This uh this area is weird too. There are like bandits who have taken up uh, residence here, and if you're making a beeline to the box, you don't really run into very many of them. But if you're looking for the box, because I didn't, I wasn't using a guide, you know, at least at first, like I was just kind of like looking for the box. You end up going really deep into these ruins where there are very tough encounters, <laughs> and I was like, oh, like am I not supposed to be here yet? Like, is this, should I have done more fucking around first? Like, I was really kind of confused. Um, but it actually turns out that that's a huge kind of optional part of the dungeon. And the puzzle box is actually pretty near the surface, comparatively. There are different layers of this that have different, you know, levels of enemies, ranging from humans down to, like, ghosts. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, orc bandits and, and, and stuff near the end. Like, the guy who, like, I couldn't get past this orc. And I was like, oh, the puzzle box is definitely past him. I used my, like, because you choose a, a star sign to be born under. And I chose the turn invisible for 60 seconds a day. And I was like, okay, I'm going to turn invisible and, and sneak by this guy and grab the puzzle box. And there's just nothing there. Right. Like, they do a, the, unlike later games, like, I feel like in, oblivion and skyrim like you'll have a big kind of dungeon and at the very least at the end of it there'll be a thing kind of no matter what that's not always true in morrowind right like sometimes they're just big collections of rooms with nothing in them Mm -hmm. and the dungeoneering is pretty scant in this by that i mean you know lock picking and traps and things like that uh that's one of my favorite things that they added in oblivion was just the notion of like oh this is going to be a d and you know first edition D &D trap factory whereas mm-hmm. this you know lock picking is you just have a little thing that you hit a lock with and you know it does a roll against yep. it right and same thing with traps like the only thing that can be trapped are, are locked objects mm-hmm. like there are no kind of like traps with like uh you know uh like the weird things like the the, the logs coming down and stuff like that mm-hmm. so yeah so you could be forgiven for running past this i did as well um because it is just a tiny little box in a storeroom on the bottom shelf like mm-hmm. and it, like in a way this is a billboard saying pay attention you dumb fuck like, yeah what also communicates a lot about the world economy like um because you're introduced to this value proposition that you is going to become a constant concern for you which is value versus weight um you have an amazing appraising skill in this game <laughs> where you can look at anything and see how much it's supposed to be valued at and Dwemer stuff has pretty high, you know, good numbers. Like it's, it's worth a lot of money for this point in the game, but it's so heavy mm-hmm. that you're only able to take so much of it. Yeah. And then adding to that, like it is illegal to sell. Like you're not supposed to be raiding these tombs. So you have to find, you know, essentially like a Khajiit mm-hmm. who will usually buy the stuff. Yeah. Like a from you. Yeah. Yeah. But you pick this thing up and take it back and, you know, <laughs> just assume that between every sentence we're saying, and you run and you yeah. run and you run. Yep. Yeah. Um, but you go back and you find out about you, you get this slow trickle of information about, you know, about the sixth house, kind of this forgotten evil, uh, presumably, um, organization and, you know, what the Nereverine is, which is this mysterious savior, uh, you know, who's going to chase out, you know, chase these outlanders. And if you are fluent in RPG, you're going to recognize, oh, I'm going to be that guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and it turns out to be true or not true, which in a, in a really cool way. <laughs> yep, like, I, I like that. the unreliableness of whether you are actually fulfilling the prophecy. Mm-hmm. Escape. Um, so, uh, Chaos sends you to the Mages Guild mm-hmm. to find out more. He's kind of introducing you to the guilds, right. um, at least the two more legit ones. <laughs> and uh, you talk to Sharn, who wants you to retrieve the skull of uh, Luvile Androno mm-hmm. um, from his ancestral vault near Vivek. And uh, he's going to use that for necromantic purposes, which is generally frowned upon. Yeah. But we're just gonna let it let it happen. <laughs> we're gonna let that slide. Yep. Yeah. And uh, boy, is this uh, is is this a rude awakening to what most of the dungeons you're going to face are gonna look like? Yeah. 
Yep. Like just like just pretty boring. Like again, I kind of appreciate how apathetic they are. Yeah. They weren't designed to be a dungeon. Mm-hmm. So like it is okay for them not to play by fun dungeon rules. Mm-hmm. But it is uh it is a little bit disappointing. Yeah. So like I would say that in the, the indifference of the world to you is a is a major theme here, right? Yeah. Yeah. And in a way that reminds me of Dark Souls. Like I, you know, I hate to bring everything up with Dark Souls, but that kind of indifference of the world to you is like one of my favorite hallmarks of that game. Mm-hmm. Um, I also like uh, I didn't run into them here, but you have them in the notes, so I just want to talk about them because mm-hmm. um, I think this is a, a skit. Like you run into these by levels, or I just think end up in the corner with them. Mm-hmm. But uh, the design on the Bone Walkers, speaking of Dark Souls, like <laughs> that thing rules. And uh, I'll talk about it a lot later. But like one of my like biggest like jump scares I've had in gaming mm-hmm. uh, was a resultant of one of those things. Ooh, nice. Um, turning up in a place where I was not expecting him at all. Yeah. Um, and it was great. Like turned a corner and there's just a bone walker. Yeah. Big as life. Because 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 they're summonables. If there is a necromancer in basically the same zip code as you, they can just drop one right behind you. Yeah. Yeah. And there are like these like bone like forearmed skeleton monsters and they're they're really rad yeah yeah um but uh you're just kind of here looking for a skull and and, and and similar to that box is just on the floor in one of these vaults yeah yeah um when you get that and you go back and talk to sharn um it reveals that uh the ashlanders have no regard for the temple or the empire so the the temple is kind of the new religion that is uh taking up place here this uh this tribunal Mm-hmm. of uh three three mortal god kings and uh, the empire is uh where you came from this kind of invading force and that is why they hold uh to the Ner- uh and mm-hmm. um, because they think that you know they want to go back to the old ways yeah things were more pure when we were pastoral tribal um people it's oh. essentially dances with wolves is what we're doing <laughs> kind of yeah yeah <laughs> um, you know they're, they're they're nomadic except all of their encampments are permanent yeah and also, like I, I got busy on the 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 floor that you're with that with that wise woman. You know Did what you? I mean? Oh no. Okay, I was gonna say, is that yeah. an option? Did they put in like a like a Bioware like hot coffee? Option? Yeah, <laughs> like 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 hot, hot skooma. skooma. Yeah, I was trying to think of what a film. I was trying to think of like the one of the booze drinks. Oh yeah, yeah, flim or film or flim. <laughs> flim. Yeah, hot flam flim. flam. Yeah, the uh, I did not uh, do the dirty yurt with uh, with one of the wise women, sadly. But... The dirty yurt. <laughs> oh, um, so. But she did say that I was welcome to her bed at any point. Like they do say that at some point during the quest. So Fun. you could you could presumably get to the dirty yurt. Knocking someone um, save your boots. <laughs> yeah, knocking yeah. boots of blinding speed. <laughs> I assure you, this doesn't happen. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) those are the boots knocking together (laughs) Uh, blinding speed oh Uh, gosh (laughs) do you want me to put on the boots baby or not put them on lights on or lights off (laughs) we're going to get this done efficiently yeah yeah um so having built up this trust with caius right you know you're you're raising ranks in this uh in in this effectively useless faction yeah Um, and then you keep getting like 200 He's like, here's 200 septums for bribes. It's like a bitch. Like, I just, I, <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't like saying that word, but it's like, I, I just, I just, you know, sold like a thousand dollars worth of stuff. I have, I have like a, a $2,000 thing. I can't find anyone to buy I need 200 septums. <laughs> just toss it back in his face. Yeah. Like he, yeah. like he chipped you a nickel. Like, Go buy, buy yourself some drugs. <laughs> you junkie. Scum. You skank. Yeah. Sorry. I, I, I don't say that word. I'm just making yeah. a reference to Breaking Bad. So. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh. And and let's just say I was making a reference to Breaking Bad too. Okay. Cool. So 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 we can get away with uh, saying words we don't usually like to say. Yeah. Yeah. Any other words you want to get out there? Um. No. I like I, I like a couple of jokes went through my head and I was just like I can't get away with that. No. No. Like that's all like, it is. Yeah. Let's. Yeah. Let's get back to talking about this. Yeah. Uh, so he kind of lets you into his informant network, right? Because this is this is the equivalent of the CIA. You have assets in the field. Yeah. And uh, you're, you're heading towards uh, Vivek, the canal city, and kind of the capital, uh, not kind of, the, the capital of this island and the biggest city um, on this island, to, uh, to go find uh, Adhernar. <laughs> Adhernar, uh, Julia, and Mera Milo. Yeah. Yep. You have the, 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 those, those three scamps, uh, <laughs> um, the, the three ships that Columbus took to, uh, to Vardenfell. Um, what do you think so- of Vivek? Uh, I, I think that it is confusing. Mm-hmm. Like I like it, uh, visually, but it took me a very long time to figure out how each of these cantons worked. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, okay. There's a canal level, a sewer level, a lower waste works an upper waste works a, and then, uh, like a marquee level or what have you. And the way that you get to them seems really counterintuitive. Mm-hmm. A lot of the times, like, I just found them very confusing and eventually, like, I didn't explore them very much. Like, I had the guild leaders and the house. This is where my house was located. Mm-hmm. So I figured out how to get to those people very quickly. Yeah. But it's kind of like a collection of cities. Mm-hmm. Like, each one is kind of this little, um, like, uh, uh, like the, the corporate um, domes in Shadowrun. <laughs> you know, like the Renraku Arcology. Yeah. These cantons, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, uh, man, oh man, do you need levitation to get around this? Because if you're just walking around, it takes exponentially more time. Yeah. Yeah. Levitation is really useful. Um, and you can get, um, in, in here is the first place you can actually buy the, uh, constant effect levitation, mm-hmm. the belt of Netch flight mm-hmm. from, uh, from an enchanter in the basement of the uh, foreign quarter. Yeah. Um, so that's really useful. And then the boots of blinding speed, which we've referenced a couple of times, we should probably just say since we have those. Yep. Just mentioned that we we went and got those. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a uh, a quest that uh, so like you have to escort this woman who has them, and she is, like sells kind of defective magical items, mm-hmm. um, and can't make her way to the city. city and you find out why um, <laughs> is because she's wearing these boots, mm-hmm. and uh, they fortify your speed by two hundred, which is huge. Like a hundred is the natural max yeah. for most of your stats, but it also uh, blinds you. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the ways that I did game the system was figuring out how to neutralize that effect. Yeah, uh, which is just getting some kind of huge uh, resist magicka boost on something. So I made it like a like a breastplate that hmm. would uh, give me a hundred percent. And then uh, again, gaming the system, it, it really all you have to do is cast something long enough to equip the, the the boots, and then once that effect wears off, it stays permanent. Right? Yeah, like I, I actually did a, a one second duration spell. Yeah, that I called Bootstrapper. <laughs> that was just to put on boots. Yeah. So like if I had to take them off for any reason, like I would cast bootstrapper and like my percentage of casting the spell successfully wasn't very high. So mm-hmm. like it took me several tries, but eventually I would get it. It would, it would fire because mm-hmm. even if your, your percentage is less than zero, it's modified by luck. Mm-hmm. Um, so you'll always have a chance and, uh, you know, and then would put on the boots and not have to worry about it. And then later I actually in the, uh, the basement of Vevek, um, I trade them out for shoes of blinding speed because mm-hmm. your footwear impacts your sneak ability, I think. Yeah. And they were lighter and weight was a constant concern since I was a weak guy. Yeah. So I sold my boots of blinding speed, but you need something of blinding speed <laughs> to survive in this game. Like I can't fathom like playing this game without being able to move at roughly twice as fast as any human should be able to move. It's such a bizarre choice too, because you start out walking so slow and that is pinned to your athletic skill. 
So yeah. the rate at which you move, like if you're not using these boosts, if you're not gaming the system at all, the rate at which you move increases constantly throughout the game, which seems like just this weirdly hostile choice, right? And and never gets fast enough. Right. Like even at 100, like it is not good enough. Mm-hmm. Like here's a like um, several times I got stuck in geometry in this game. So I had to look up the console codes mm-hmm. um, to do no clip. Um, and here's a little thing that I don't feel like is that, you know, if you're playing this game and you you know, you get put in your like 20 hours or something like that. Like, I'm not afraid to admit that, like, at some point I was like, you know what? Player set speed 300, <laughs> you know, fuck it. Like, I'm going to be a little bit faster than this, or at least when I'm traveling between places mm-hmm. just to save me the travel time. Yeah. Like, I'm going to levitate and set my speed really high just so I can walk across the continent without navigating these bus lines. Mm-hmm. And again, after 20 hours in the game, not initially, mm-hmm. but at some point when I'm just like fetching shit. So you're running around these cantons and mm-hmm. honestly there's like there's a little bit of texture to these things like oh there's a Khajiit from the from the thieves guild and you have to ask around because mm-hmm. nobody knows where this person is and it's a little bit of a, a little bit of a quest to try and figure out and it leads you into the into the canals and you know this is something that the main quest does a really good job of which is introducing you to kind of like what the different what the different cities look and feel like and yeah. you know, kind of kind of some of the different different things that you can do i don't know that i otherwise would have spent you know any real amount of time down in these sewers if it, if right. it didn't lead me down into it Right. And they also do a really good job of uh, the game in general does a really good job of these cities all feeling very different. Yeah, I think the sewer thing is really interesting because I was talking about how hard it is to parse out the layout of Vivek. Um, if you go down into the wrong sewer, um, there is a hostile lady and I couldn't figure <laughs> out why she was hostile, but she was really tough. Mm-hmm. And they're both in the foreign quarter. So, like, how was I not supposed to know not to go into that sewer, mm-hmm. you know, and just, like, barely escaped with my life and then went into the other sewer and there was my guy. Mm-hmm. It was just like, okay, great. There's a there's a fully armored, well-dressed lady is hanging out in Shitburg, like, <laughs> waiting to stab me. Yeah. Outside of these and, shrines, like, she's part of an enemy faction that'll pop up later. Yeah. 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 But. Yep. And yeah. Uh, so you talk to this guy. I like the one for uh, for Hulia, uh, yeah. because uh, she's the Argonian and Argonians are kind of the underclass, like these lizard people. Who mm-hmm. are brought in here as slaves? Like the majority of the slavery is, you know, trafficking these, you know, things that are seen as subhuman or submer, right? Yeah, and actually, and and just to our previous point about boots of blinding speed, don't play an Argonian or a Khajiit because you can't wear boots, <laughs> and then then you have to cheat and and fortify your speed because mm-hmm. otherwise, God help you. Good guy. Um, but yeah, so you pre- essentially just have to talk these bigots out of uh, of of addressing her mm-hmm. or harassing her or you can invite them um but if you raise their disposition enough which uh they'll they'll back off my primary cause when i play these western rpgs that deal with this topic is like as a as a very passionate abolitionist yeah <laughs> you know like it's it's yeah it's, it's interesting because like that's how i play fallout flavored games mm-hmm. like i turn into john wayne and no, no injustice will well, I will truck. And then in these, I turn into a kind of a shit bag. Like I'm not going to, I'm not a racist. I'm not going to slave anyone, mm-hmm. but I will take everything. You know, I always like gravitate towards the assassination and thieving quests and, and, and stuff. And then I also become like a parkour expert <laughs> because you're so bored running from place to place. Like I'm always like doing rail slides and <laughs> jumping and doing flips off things and taking huge jumps into the water from the top of the <laughs> Doing the kick flips. Yep. Yeah. The, like, but shield. the, yeah, like I, I don't I don't like that that kind of that cultural relativity of injustice. I looked for so many ways to get out of that sex slavery yeah. quest later and there's just no way I'm like, can I raise this guy's disposition to a hundred? Like I will give you four thousand septums to not have to like <laughs> go find you a child bride. 
Oh. Yeah. The way that ends, well, we'll talk about it when I get there. Yeah. That'll be this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but the but the last one is is the one that ends up being the most important, which is uh, Mera Milo, who is uh, this kind of rogue dissident priest who is embedded in the in in the temple, right? Right. So you have to go find and, her, and she leads you to this apocrypha. Right. Right. And talks about this is when you start getting those words in your kind of your your keyword system, like the the apocrypha, the um, a specific book within that, and then the dissident priest. And these are the people who don't you know who don't buy the the tribunals nonsense yeah. and they are persecuted yeah. or um the like the, the temple has changed like like back when it was founded it was it was you know headed by the, the actual demigods but they distanced themselves you know because they yeah. were slowly losing their mind because of godhood and so yeah. now like this corrupt you know kind of form of it they're just a like a like a, like a, a splinter faction that holds to the old ways yeah 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 but uh, she's really paranoid uh, for a good reason and says, like, hey, if you don't see me next time, here's a code word that will, you know, that you should look for, which ends up being important. Yeah. Like she out of these three people, she is the only one that ends up having future importance mm -hmm. in a really cool kind of quest and dungeon mm -hmm. that you handle later. Um, yeah. So, so you need to find out some information about the uh, the Ashlanders um, after you, you talk to, uh, to Chaos. Um, and he says that, you know, we need to find out about these native people. And uh, we need an informant. So he points you to this person in Aldrun uh, named Hasur. <laughs> I love Aldrun. Yeah. Yeah. Aldrun is, is where I spend a lot of my time, even though like I kept showing up during those kind of uh, dust storms mm -hmm. that were going on. And just funny to watch as people like, you know, why walk when you can ride? <laughs> and, then, and then there's just, you know, red sand pelting his eye. <laughs> Everybody holding up their, their, their arms in front of their yeah. faces. And just like, oh, I'm just going to stand outside during this death that thing i also i love like like i just kept saying that like he was one of those there's a glitch where npcs move a little bit mm -hmm. and every time this guy moved to where whenever i would take a, a silt strider here i would appear inside of him mm -hmm. so i was clipped through him and you could see kind of part of his face <laughs> wearing his and face then just, as a mask just hear this like why walk <laughs> when you can ride i'm the world's biggest creep <laughs> you know <laughs> like, special trip same price just same for you price Get in the bug. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone has a black bug room. This is yours. <laughs> um. Yeah. I love Aldrin because everybody lives in these, uh, the, the husks of these gigantic emperor crabs. Yeah. Um, and the yeah. manor district is inside Scar, which yeah. is a, a, a positively colossal crab. Which was formerly a giant sentient crab. Yep. They hollowed uh, out to make housing yeah. that, uh, you know, peaking ahead, you know, a couple hundred years uh, when the oblivion crisis happens, the Dunmer mobilize by reviving this crab and using it to lead and house the army uh, that yeah. fights them off, which is rad. <laughs> like, that's awesome. Yep. There's there's nothing uncool about that. Um, so so super cool. Um, Hasser, when you find Hasser, he gives you information about how to uh, ingratiate yourself to the Ashlanders. Uh, they appreciate gifts. <laughs> Um, so <laughs> thanks, bud. Here's, yeah, thanks. Here's your money, I guess. <laughs> yeah, who doesn't? Um, yeah, I will turn this money away. Some of them turn money away. Yeah, um, yeah. But uh, you know, around this point, they start uh, the, the sixth house starts seeking you out. These sleepers, uh, like, run up to you in the street. Yeah, um, and start screaming doomsday prophecy in your face. Yeah, which is awesome. Yeah. Like, that was great. The first time that happened was a really cool moment because it has this hint of, like, a dynamic world that otherwise feels pretty static. Mm -hmm. um, and, like, it's, it, you know, because I tie everything to H.P. Lovecraft, like, the idea of these, like, dreaming agents 
kind of being under the influence of this this uh this powerful force you know in their sleep like they're, they're called dreamers and they're like waking up to kind of become under the control is like really resonant with me yeah and uh, and i really like it it's also around this time that caius decodes the message that was sent along by the emperor which basically says i've decoded and looked at some of the elder scrolls and determined that this nobody may be the nereverine right and the coolest thing about the whole this whole bit of the score the story to me is that like it's never up it's never determined if you are Mm -hmm. and it doesn't matter if you are and that's like one of the coolest theme things in this game is that like if people believe you are and you accomplish the task that's good enough Mm -hmm. and that pays off in the end uh, of the game in a really cool way um just in like a dialogue moment but i really like it um and even he even says this like ks says like you know, I don't know if you're actually this, but does it, you know, it doesn't matter if, if people believe it and you accomplish the goal. Mm-hmm. It's good enough. Yeah. So there are these there are these prophecies that instead of just letting them happen, you go out and fulfill them. And this is actually something that is a mechanic in this world. It's how, you know, Euro Septum becomes a god, right? It's this thing called mantling, which is if you act like something for long enough, you become it. Right. Yeah. All right. So, that, so that's a little bit what he's walking you down towards. Yep. And uh, you have to go to... Uh, Urshalaku, Urshalaku, Urshalaku to get tested. I hate that we spend so much time in this fucking place. That's <laughs> yeah. so hard to get to. It's it's on the north coast, away from every single kind of fast travel. Yeah, it, it's a, it's like a, a good like five minute jog from cool, <laughs> and and so your best bet is to get to cool. But the uh, it's just a pain in the ass, and you have to spend so much time here, mm-hmm. so much time just going back and forth to this place, and there's no good way to get there. Mm-hmm. Like, again, the first time, really cool, like, emphasizes the remoteness of the location, mm-hmm. emphasizes that they, that they don't rely on the modern trappings of, of the Empire. Mm-hmm. But I just wish that – and you can do this mark and recall stuff, um, but that's a one-way trip. Yep. Which which that drives me nuts, too. Like, it's like this weird concession to fast travel, but we're only going to let you do it one way. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you, you can assemble a fast travel if you're willing to, like – invest in divine intervention which is a very expensive spell that'll get you maybe closer to a fast travel line like yeah. away from this but uh yeah well eventually i got you know uh, an amulet that did the divine intervention mm. like you use as many times i want or use you know often but the uh it's still like as close as you can get is cool mm-hmm. you know which is still a bit of a jog and there's a huge like daedric ruin between you and <laughs> and the thing so and traveling anywhere is obnoxious because of cliff racers mm-hmm. uh, which we can talk about but they are these like pterodactyl things you know what they are that i realized this is this i feel i'm gonna this is my insightful point about morrowind they feel like a anti-piracy measure really like if you pirated the game yeah doesn't it feel like if you pirated the game we're gonna ramp up the cliff racers to where it's super obnoxious like 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 how earthbound yeah like how earthbound and stuff like if you if you ramp up the game the random encounters or if you pirate the game the random encounters just just yeah uh, that's what they feel like it's like, oh, I pirated this game, so now I have a thousand fucking cliff racers on me whenever mm-hmm. I go anywhere. But that's just the game. <laughs> yep. Like it's this weird punishment. Like yeah. if you if you run around for any amount of time, even with the boots of blinding speed, you'll just hear these and yep. they'll they'll hit you, and when you get hit, you get you know you you lose your step, and then you turn around and you just see what looks like you could probably take a screen capture, put some image font, and you're know, like you know like impact font on it, and say you've come to the wrong neighborhood because yeah. fifteen of them. I counted fifteen at the max that yeah, I have it, to just just weed out. 
yeah, the, the, you can't ignore them as much as you want to. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, old guards will attack them, but nobody else will. So, like, you get to your location and then, like, go inside and you come out and they'd be waiting there. And, like, everyone just like, hello, Bosmer, you know, and, and I just mm-hmm. react. Idiots. Like, I, 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 <laughs> there's pterodactyl. Your, your town is lousy with pterodactyls, motherfuckers. <laughs> like, like, We've wanted this. Yeah, quit telling me little secrets and, and, and get out your sword. Is there a certain someone who will kill these fuckers for me? <laughs> yeah, no. Can you send these to a certain place? That place is hell. Um, uh, I, yeah, I, I hate them. Yeah. Like they're not fun to fight. They're everywhere. Like I, I hate them. Yeah. When, uh, when you return to Solstheim in, um, in Skyrim uh, for the Dragonborn expansion, it's revealed that in the intervening, you know, 500 years or whatever, there was somebody who became a saint for chasing the cliff raisers out of Vardenfell and out of Morrowind. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Specifically which is, because they were so unpopular. Yeah. And then the developers have admitted there's too many of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are mods to remove them. But again, I didn't want to do that because yeah. I mean, I should have like partway through the game been like, okay, I've seen these things. Let's get rid of <laughs> yeah. all of them. But eventually they just become an annoyance. Like they're trivial to kill. It just means I have to turn around every couple of steps. Mm-hmm. Their aggro range is so huge. Yep. And also they will just hover above you. And if you're a melee character, you, you like there's no way to get at them. So you yeah. have to run a little bit and hope that they get down closer to you. Yeah. Yeah. It was a little bit easier with an archer, but again, my, my bow and arrow never did great damage. Mm-hmm. Even when I like looked up how to find like a you know the best bow in the game. Mm-hmm. Um still not very good. Yeah. So blah. Mm. So these Ashlander camps are like, you know, Mongolian yurt kind of things, right? Yeah. Um, and there's a whole lot of like tribal politics that you have to go go through. Like you have to, you know, bribe these people and, you know, become a clan friend. And that involves going to this uh, going to this dungeon that is named after every video game character. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Which I like a lot. Mm-hmm. In order to achieve these, uh, you know, this this bow, like uh, it's a, a, a an artifact of the Urshulaku. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's the guy who gives you the quest. It's his like ancestors. Yeah. So, and there's tons of great treasure mm-hmm. in this dungeon. Like, and it's kind of interesting as a central spire with uh, the different branching tombs off of it. Mm-hmm. Like, this is actually kind of an interesting dungeon. Yeah. Um, and this was one of the first times I came back with more treasure than I could like sell or really walk with. Yeah. And and for me, like I made a couple of trips here in order yeah. to in order to clear it out uh, thoroughly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah but sure. there's like Kefka burial and Kakuna burial. Yeah, it's Pokemon and Kafka, essentially. <laughs> yeah, there's like Marowak spine later. Mm-hmm. Weeping Bell Hall. Yeah, uh, specifically there's a there, there's a something awful reference in um oh, in Morrowind yeah. as well. There's like a there's a red hammer called the Banhammer. Oh hey. Yeah, like one of the one of the scenario designers was a goon. Oh cool. Yeah. Yeah, I had no idea. Weird little trivia. Hmm. I, I mean, I think I feel like I knew about the Banhammer, but I didn't know what game it was in. Mm-hmm. I remember reading about that uh, that Easter egg, but I didn't know it was Morrowind. Um, but regardless, which this is a really long walk <laughs> to get there and get back, um, come back with all this treasure. And uh, the wise woman, uh, Nabari, uh, dumps a lot of prophecy on you oh, and boy, talks about, boy. yeah, this goes on forever. Um, there are seven <laughs> trials and seven curses. Um, and she reads them to you and gives you a copy to junk up your inventory forever. Um, <laughs> but she's willing to give you a give you a shot. So, because you've already fulfilled at least one, well, well, no, you haven't filled you, you haven't fulfilled anything yet. You just were born on a certain day. Yeah, you filled the first one. Yeah, like that you had to be born to uncertain parents on a certain day. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you head back to Chaos, uh, he says, "Let's put that on hold for now because an informant at Fort Buckmouth uh, has discovered a sixth house base." Mm-hmm. 
And uh, the people who have returned there are racked with the corpus, um, which is uh, and told to spread the word of, of Dagathur. Yeah, like they and, were they were allowed to survive and sent back kind of racked with this in order in order to, you know, get this word out. Yeah. And corpus is real cool. Yeah. Like this disease and this this section of the, the thing I like a lot. Mm hmm. This yeah. is really neat. The, the the quest that this leads to is probably my favorite part of the main quest. Yeah, yeah, like that. that that's it's really good. I it, for me, it's like this, and then rescuing Milo. This next little stretch is really strong. Um, I think. Um, so you head over to uh, to this this base, um, the Ilunubi Shrine, <laughs> and uh, this is where Marowak spine are. And uh, you're essentially fighting Dagath uh, Gareth. Dagath is a is a title, mm -hmm. obviously, because um, you're gonna fight a lot of Dagaths, and it is a kind of a, bo a boss fight. Yeah. Um, and he has uh, he has voices, and he's wearing this super super creepy like plague mask uh -huh. thing. Like these guys are great. It's like an elephant mask kind of thing. Like they, yeah. uh, they oh man, super super awesome. This is a massive dungeon too. Yeah. Like, like there are lots of like blind alleys that. Um, unlike a lot of other dungeons, because they know this is on the main, like the main line, they give you something interesting to do inside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, this is a super tough boss, uh, super tough boss fight. Um, fights in this game are kind of real button mashy mm -hmm. things when you're doing melee. Yeah. Um, and there's no real good way to do archery, so like fights do tend to devolve into like mashing buttons and making sure you have enough potions mm -hmm. to heal. Do the damage you're taking. A lot of the time, you're fighting casters who will disable you. Like the 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 first, like the opening gambit for a lot of these guys, and this you know, this one included, is to paralyze you and then summon somebody to come in and you know start attacking. So yeah. trying to find a way to get you know some resistance to that is uh, is going to be beneficial. Otherwise, fights go on for a lot longer than they need to. And and ultimately, my tactic for almost every boss fight and anyone I had to kill in the game um, was I looked up how to find this amulet of shadows mm -hmm. through a side quest which gives you 80% chameleon yeah. and if you've been putting some points into sneak which I had been um, that makes you invisible essentially whenever you use it for 60 seconds mm -hmm. and not like there's invisible and there's chameleon and invisibility wears off when you attack chameleon doesn't mm -hmm. so I pretty much almost every boss fight in this game was someone running around like an idiot <laughs> while I like crouch walked behind them smacking them with a dagger <laughs> until they died with them not knowing what was doing it <laughs> and that that is how almost all of my boss fights went nice in this game um it was not the most fun satisfying thing it was like fun in the weird like meta way like i figured out how to game the system mm -hmm. the actual mechanics of the fighting in this game are not very fun mm -hmm. i would say yeah, yeah. uh dig garris he gives you some voice dialogue here kind of explaining a little bit of like the purpose that corpus serves in this and it's a way to like infect people and bring them into the fold right saying our bodies swell to accept the glory Right, which yeah. that's one of the things about corpus. Like it deforms you. You get like these tumor growths. Yep, yep. And uh, you also, this is also where you learn that the Nerevar was Dagothar's friend, mm -hmm. and uh, you know he the he betrayed him ultimately. Um, Dagoth Garris gives you corpus as well, <laughs> which is kind of like if you're like me, like I was just you know kind of stabbing him, but after I got corpus, I reloaded because I didn't want corpus, mm -hmm. and I tried to kill him from a distance with an arrow, and you still get corpus. Yeah. Like you can be across the map, and he still telecorpus is you yeah. like teleport some corpus meat into your mouth <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah so the yeah regardless of which you get in corpus what a dick thing to do yeah it is a dick yeah. thing to do if you could teleport small amounts of meat that'd be <laughs> that'd be great <laughs> yeah that'd Man, be... imagine how different being a waiter would be 
like the waiter just stands there silently and his head is shaved and his like head is kind of glowing, just teleporting meat from the kitchen into your mouth. Yep. While you just stare at him and chew. Yeah, he just like he's floating in a tube in the middle of the restaurant and all all, all of the tables are aligned around it in a hub and spoke fashion. And he is just <laughs> rotating around. And there's just a line of magical meat spreading like second hands on a clock. Yeah, and he just, just grabs chunks of it and teleports it into your mouth. Or telekinesis it into your mouth. And you just have to open your mouth and he just places it gingerly under your tongue. Like, I hope you will accept my gift. Yes, I accept your gift. Here's your chip. Here's your chip. <laughs> the sleeper wakes at midnight. Yeah. Thank you. Um. But, but, but getting corpus uh, is, is important because this too is part of the prophecy. Yeah, yeah, it's not just a bummer, even though it does mean that, like, you can't stay at inns mm -hmm. and things because everyone's like, ugh. Yeah. Like, the, the reaction that people have, they're really like, ugh, <laughs> that people do is very funny to me. It touched me. Oh, also, like, your character can talk, um, but it only happens when you get hit. Mm -hmm. And, like, it happens very rarely, but I would get hit sometimes, and I was like, I had this kind of perception of my guy is, like, a cool, smooth guy. And then I would get hit, and my guy would go, stupid. <laughs> is that what that is yeah oh yeah, it's you getting hit and and, and yeah huh. stupid <laughs> like what, what is it, you brat what are you doing oh, it's probably because you were a bosmer yeah because i was a bratty bosmer even though i was trying to be a cool wood elf not like a bratty wood elf <laughs> yeah. but it didn't work so yeah the state the, like this is the point where the stakes get raised right like yeah. all of a sudden there's a there's a time constraint on you because corpus is progressive Yes. And, uh, you know, it, it will it will gradually get worse and worse for you. Yeah. Um, Caius has a little bit of a lead on somebody, uh, this wizard over on the eastern side of the island. And this, you know, legit might be the first time you go over here and see what it's, you know, like what it's like on the other side of the Ashlands. Yeah, like what the what the Telvanni and the, the wizard towns and uh, kind of towers are like, yeah. which are built inside of giant mushrooms. Yes. And also because they're wizards, they don't have stairs or ladders. Like, yeah. I love that concession to what would architecture be like for somebody who can float? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, cramped and veiny. <laughs> like, cramped and all the walls are disgusting and organic. Um, yeah. This is, uh, since I was a, just a note, when you go over here to Davith Fierce, uh place, um, as a thief character, this was like a fucking wonderland. <laughs> like, all of these things are just full of uh, amazing stealables. Mm -hmm. um, so, it is, uh, even if you're not a thief, like, if you can get away with it. You will come away from this richer than you've ever been in your life. <laughs> um, but the, the whole point of Davosphere is he runs a uh, corpusarium yeah. uh, for people who uh, have corpus. It's a sanitarium for people who have corpus. Yeah. Yep. But he's not doing it for pure reasons. He's doing it for sport. He is a 4,000-year-old amoral wizard who has survived yeah. that long in Telvanni, which is a house where people kill you to advance. It's yep. like that that crazy water people civilization from uh, Futurama. <laughs> where you become mm, yeah, emperor yeah. by drinking the uh, by drinking the previous emperor, um, yeah. and uh, he's just depraved. Yeah, he has these like uh, clones of himself that are uh, daughter wives. <laughs> yep, of himself, and they all he's like this one's the sassy one. She's always <laughs> eager to please. Like talking to him about them is really gross. <laughs> he's um, explaining them like they're the Charlie's Angels. <laughs> yeah, ex ex exactly. Like she's the demolitions expert. She cooks a mean ham. She's she's as deadly as she is beautiful. <laughs> the uh and and the the he sends you he's like okay well i'll give you a cure but you have to do me this favor um this guy named yagram who is the last living uh dwimmer um, 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like, hmm. um, has these boots that he's been trying to fix for me. And you can go down into my, uh, corpsesarium, uh, to get them. But the, the, the catch is you can't hurt any of the inmates and they're all going to try to kill you. Mm-hmm. And he actually, like, when you were talking to people, it's like you can have the option to ask about, like, loot the dungeon. Mm-hmm. And he allows for sport. He allows thieves to come here and try to steal things from here. And there's a lot of good treasure here. But if you attack anybody, his guards will kill you. Mm-hmm. So you have to get through. It's like a thieving test that he runs. Yeah. Which is which is pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, you run into Yagram, who looks like fucking Mojo from X-Men. <laughs> like, he's got this, like, mechanical chasis. Um, under his like thunder blubber, <laughs> like, he looks just like Mojo, and he he plays into that uh, that last last Dwemer or the what happened to the Dwemer quest in the Mages Guild. Mm-hmm. But he's a really cool character. I like him a lot. Um, trivia wise, he's considered a monster instead of a human, so you can actually soul trap him <laughs> if you want to put him inside a uh, inside a soul gem and use him to power your boots or whatever. <laughs> but the reason that he is still around is because he, he has Corpus. Right? Yeah, Corpus makes you immortal, and most of the time you lose your mind. All of the time you become deformed, mm-hmm. and uh, and gain these kind of like they look. It looks like gout, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and uh, but he has not lost his mind. Right. And uh, he's down there with one of the daughters. There's actually like an interesting way you can solve this quest where like one of the daughters will uh, play a drum. Yeah, you have to find the drum and bring it to her. Yeah, and they'll soothe the uh, the victims of of Corpus so they don't attack you, make them yeah. non aggressive. So you can make a run to the run to the drum, and then a run to her, and then the way out is you know clear for you. Yep. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so he gives you these boots, but uh, he provides very few answers because you know he wasn't like an architect of what happened to the Dwemer. He was just around for it. So he says, "May yeah. have been this, may have been that." I'm real, yep. you know, kind of sad, but oh well. Yep. And when you get the boots back and uh, he's like, well, this cure could kill you, but, you know, <laughs> we're, we're going to try it. I've been testing these cures and he gives it to you. And the cool thing about it is that, like, he doesn't cure you <laughs> like it just you still have corpus. And one of the uh, side effects of that is you're ageless and resistant to disease. Mm-hmm. He just masks the symptoms. Mm-hmm. So, like, now you don't look like you have this disease. You're still a straight up carrier. You know, like, <laughs> if you do the, you know, do the, the, the yurt hurt on, on any of these, these wise women, they're going to catch a, a mean case of cross corpus. <laughs> but, the, <laughs> um, sorry. Uh, the, but you, you don't look like it. Mm-hmm. So it's this weird backwards way of like fulfilling the prophecy without actually fulfilling it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really neat. Like, it still leaves it up to interpretation whether you actually are the guy. I love his motivation too. He gives it to you for free. Well, after you do this, after you do this errand, but his only condition is he has to watch. Yeah. As you take yeah. It. Super creepy. Yep. But yeah, you are, you know, you have, you have satisfied the second trial, mm-hmm. which, uh, which yeah. makes you, you know, all that more attractive as a, as a, uh, Nereverine candidate, right? Like, you know, you might be the incarnate who knows there have been others before you, but, uh, here we go. And this is also another breaking point for the quest because Caius gets called back. You don't have, yeah somebody who is directly guiding you down this path anymore. Yep. Yep. He has to go back to the Imperial city and he says like the blades are all autonomous. You're now the, the ranking blade in Morrowind, <clears throat> you know, you're in charge of this investigation now, which is kind of a nice, like a little empowering moment. Mm-hmm. And he says, uh, you know, Milo is the next person we need to talk to about this. Um, you can go find her. She's in Vivek. We remember her. 
we head back there. She's not where she used to be. Um, and you break into her house and you find a note with her code word on it. And it sounds like she is in the Ministry of Truth, <laughs> um, which is like, okay, All right. <laughs> that's, already a, that's already a thing. Yeah, like, um, that's loaded, I guess. Yeah. It's a little on the nose. Um, <laughs> but it also says to bring some divine intervention scrolls, which I love how she says, like, I've got this secret plan. Bring two divine intervention scrolls. Oh, you mean the things that just teleport you out of out of jail? <laughs> that's, that's your secret plan? Yeah. Well, she codes it. She says, like, oh, my gosh, my sister got in some, you know, got in some trouble. I'm going to be up here helping her out of this. Uh, do me a favor and bring me so-and-so. Yeah. Like she yeah but when, you, when, you when you talk to the guard, he just straight up says, like, mm. you, you brought the divine intervention scrolls, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, the Ministry of Truth is really neat. Like this is, uh, it's being hurled down at, uh, at Vardenfell because of the kind of the gall of this tribunal. Right. But, but Vivek is there, uh, keeping it aloft above the city, right? Like, mm -hmm. oh, this will, this will never land as long as he is here. Um, afterwards it does like it eventually does yeah. land in the, in the continuity of this. Um, but uh, like, oh, we might as well turn this into a prison because it's basically sky Alcatraz. Yeah. Yeah. It looks really, really cool. And like when I figured out that was where I needed to go, I was really happy mm -hmm. um, to get there. And it, it's a pretty fun, like it's fun to sneak around here. There are a lot of these. Uh, um, what are the names of the uh, ordinators? Ordinators. Yeah. There's tons of ordinators around here and, and they obviously don't want you to be there. But this was a good like thieving test for me. Um, I only brought one scroll of divine intervention because I only had one. Mm -hmm. But I snuck you know, I gave it to her and snuck out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, if you use the, the, the scroll, it'll take you right to where she is, which is, you know, a, a hop, skip and an illegal boat ride away from this den of dissident priests where uh, where you find out kind of, you know, more of what the main quest is. You find out about this old Dwemer priest called Kagarak, um, mm -hmm. who uh, had these had these tools designed specifically to manipulate and or destroy this heart of Lorcan, which is this is the first time you're really hearing about what's at the center of this of this red mountain. Right. Mm hmm. Yep. And this is the kind of history. So Nerevar and Dagoth found these three tools, um, the Wraith Guard, Sunder, and Keening. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and yeah, the uh, Dagother was corrupted by this and you know, Nerevar was like, uh, uh, and the other tribunal was like, well, was hey, like, maybe no, you didn't. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> and the other tribunal were like, oh, let's not let a good crisis go to waste. And you know, that, yep. that's kind of how the dynamic shook out. Yep. Yep. Um, so now that we passed the, uh, the other trials, uh, the first two trials, we have to go on to the third trial. Um, but first, there is a little bit of an errand again, mm -hmm. um, because you do errands in this game. <laughs> uh, before you can, you know, be sponsored or what have you to do this trial, you have to go get three items. Um, cor corpus Weepings, which I got Corpus Weepings. Um, <laughs> the Dagoth like House Cup and the Shadow Shield. Mm -hmm. Which takes you to another like kind of dungeon, like this big fort kind of thing which yeah. uh, is pretty close to the ghost fence. So there's actually a back door into Red Mountain. It's not advised that you take it, but... Yeah, yeah, which I really like that as kind of just a, a non-artifact. Like, you can go here, it's just tough, yeah. you know, if you want to. Like, there is a weird way to, like, you can sequence break this game mm -hmm. and go, like, kill Vivek and then just go directly to, to Red Mountain mm -hmm. and skip a lot of the main quests. Like, we didn't do that, obviously, but there was, like, a speedrun section that I liked that that's extant. Um, also one of these ash vampires is down here. So if you don't kill him later, you're eventually going to have to come back anyway. Yeah. So you should kill him now. Yeah. If you, if you, if you are able to just cause. Yeah. Well, cause you, you want to, because <laughs> like, you eventually want to kill all of them, even though that doesn't quite work either. Yeah. That's a weird broken bit of uh, scripting mm -hmm. with those things. I wouldn't, I don't know if that was fixed in our mods. Um, but I know that in the original, it was not, did not work. Yeah. 
Yep. Um, but bringing this back gets you this third, tr- the, 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 yeah, the third trial, which is Wisdom's test, which is basically trying to solve this riddle in order to figure yeah. out where, the, where this cave is that has the moon and star ring, which is this this relic of Nerebar, right? Yeah. I hate this. It's so bad. Like, I, I hate the directions that you get for this. Yeah, it's like the... Because, like... The th- and and the pressing the them needle. out. Yeah, yeah. Because there's so many things that look like needles, guys. <laughs> like, you can't... can't Don't describe your your uh, landscape as spiky things <laughs> when like your landscape is entirely spiky things. And that happens so often, like go to the two trees standing like teeth. Like what the fuck does that mean? There's so <laughs> many areas where they're like two trees standing like teeth. Like you just need to like, they should, whenever they, there was a plot or like a landscape point that was a specific direction marker, mm-hmm. they need to make it a totally unique accent. Yeah. Like find the tree that like, it looks like this, like an M, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, f- find the giant arrow that points to Azura. Like it yeah. has to just be like something that you can't mistake for mm-hmm. anything else. Yeah. Take a right at Dagoth's dick, which is yeah, a gigantic exactly. rocky outcropping that looks like a big old dong. Like, yeah. With, with a couple of tiny foothills yeah. crawling with Natch. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> Which like there is an opportunity here for this to be like really cool. Like if you stand at this point where the where the paths cross by the rock cairn and look to the look toward the rising sun, you can see this, you know, like weird, you know, configuration of stuff that happens to align by perspective and it'll be framed by the mountains and walk to there. Like but yeah. no, it's just instead you get to a door and if you try to open it and it's not <laughs> dusk, you hear a voice saying, The door does not open now. <laughs> please use the handrail the books out front should have told you yeah it's you know it's very artificial like i i hate this quest so much um like once you get in there it's fine like once you get in there it's kind of cool like i like the uh the the scene like the azura the cutscenes of this game leave a lot to be desired kind of like graphically like Mm -hmm. they look pretty ugly on my machine Mm -hmm. but i love the idea of this uh these false incarnates like the ghost of the people who thought they were the the nerevarine mm-hmm that's really neat. Like they and they tell up. you their, their story. Yeah. And then they also give you some equipment that's like really useful and some equipment that will just make it so you can't walk. Yeah. So you just leave it there. Yep. Like, sorry, sorry. I know you just gave me your axe. That's like this family heirloom, but I'm going to leave it here with you at yeah. your feet. <laughs> you keep an eye on this for me. I'll come back. Yeah. I will come yeah. back. Um, yeah. I got the, uh, the, the travel stained pants here, yeah. which is, <laughs> which is an incredible, like one of the most useful um, pieces of, you know, armor in the game not really as clothing but it'll give you levitate so that was that that was how i started floating around uh from from yeah. this point um the, which... is the the sisterhood of the travel stained pants <laughs> joined <laughs> <laughs> they 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 rate shrink or or grow to your size Ugh. i know that's what i think I, i've never actually seen that movie but i think those magical pants do that what i think that, i think that movie is literally literally about a pair of magical pants that anyone can wear oh, no. because it like it changes sizes i think i mean it's about sisterhood and friendship but like mm-hmm. i think within the story these pants change sizes <laughs> in them and and what it is is elizabeth has mentioned like i would talk about something that changing size uh-huh. to fit somebody and elizabeth like oh it's like a sisterhood of the traveling pants thing so that's where i've surmised that but i haven't <laughs> been like i don't know if i'm embarrassed to admit that i haven't seen it because i'm not but i haven't been like is that what that's about you i just assume that's what she meant you haven't wicked dove into it no, and, and, and see how it's in the same continuity as Divine Secrets of the Yaha Yaya Sisterhood. <laughs> well, yeah, well, the thing is that the secrets are in the pants. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I I haven't wiki dove into the Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. Okay, <laughs> that is correct. Okay, cool. I just wanted to confirm. <laughs> I, was, I was I was too busy morrowinding. <laughs> um, so yeah, so you do the, this annoying thing. 
But now, you know, you are the the Nerevarine. Like, everyone in that place buys it. Yeah. And uh, you have these fourth and fifth trials, which is getting the support of the, the land, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, kind of the government and of the original tribes. So now we're to the fourth and fifth trial, which are the uh, the flabby middle of this game. Yeah, this is a lot of running around, um, like getting this kind of you know support um, from these these governing bodies. Uh, first, the official ones of the government, the, the houses, mm-hmm. and uh, you know these are actually factions. You can do quests for. We're going to talk about it in the third episode, but you can go do these things for them. You know, you have to go do this regardless whether you're part of their faction or not. They vary a little bit if you are. But these are really similar to each other in that, like, it's a lot of, like, go convince all of the council members of this. <laughs> and a lot of time it just is, like, go talk to all of them. Mm-hmm. Like, there's one kind of cool part. And then, like, so, like, the first one with House Rudderan, um, for some reason, one of the counselors has another one's son mm-hmm. held captive. You have to go rescue him. Okay, that's cool. I'm into that. Then go talk to five people and you just have to talk to them. <laughs> like, it's like, oh, uh, the first guy vouched for you. I think you're fine. Like, why could you? He already vouched for me. Why do you have to go, like, see me in the flesh? You know, that could have very easily been hand waved. Um, and then eventually that guy who will never bow to you, you have to kill in uh, arena combat. Yeah. Um, which, which I don't know how this shook out for you, but it was very funny for me where I entered the arena from the upper, like the spectators floor (laughs) and it caused him to aggro. He was already there waiting for me. So he just starts running back and forth in front of the door, like a madman while I'm up and I'm just hitting him with arrows from up above. (laughs) And then like everyone just like, you killed him in honorable combat, Bosmer. (laughs) You've done it. Um, I was like, no, no, I just, uh, he just ran around like an idiot because his AI was broken (laughs) It was like, you know, I made a mistake and it was a very profitable mistake. Exactly. I mean, it shook out for me um, very, very poorly because he has the Daedric Katana. Or oh, the Daedric yeah. Daikatana, which uh, means that he if he hits you, he will kill you in a couple of like like one or two hits. That is yeah. like the most powerful weapon in the game outside of a couple of unique blades. And um, I ended up having to like paralyze him in order to just even get a chance to exist in this fight with him. Yeah, he has a. He doesn't feel scaled properly. Right. Like this is a really tough fight, and I don't know if you're just supposed to have done a lot more side stuff mm-hmm. than I had done by this point. But I would not have been able to with my build. I wouldn't have been able to do it. Yeah, not not face to face on the same level as him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, House Halu. Um, you get to talk to that house leader who I've been dealing with a lot since he's, <laughs> he's my guy, uh, Crassius Curio, who is great <laughs> and disgusting. And like I, I like the reason why I like him and I don't like. The other perverts in this game is because he's just kind of like it doesn't matter like your gender or anything like he's just all consumingly horny yeah. for all things everyone like you just he's just like you know to join the thing you have to take off all your clothes to join the house <laughs> yep. and show him show uncle crassius what you got mm-hmm. and uh and i was you know i was playing a dude but if you're playing a lady everything is the same like there's no gender specific yep. he calls you honey regardless yeah yeah. Crassius yeah. Curio is is, is is pretty great. Like Frank Booth, he will fuck anything that moves. Yeah, exactly. He's yeah, he's needs a taste. Mm-hmm. Also, um, he he sorry, he wrote one of the uh one of the most famous books in the game, the mm-hmm. the Lusty Argonian Maid. Mm-hmm. 
which uh, the, the the main character of that, uh, the name sounds uh, roughly like, uh, you know, Crash's Curio. So yeah. it's self-insert fanfic of what yeah, is... It's, it- Good. Yeah, it is one of one of the one of the the few like super bright spots in the fiction mm-hmm. like meta fiction of the game. I think is really funny. Yeah. So you have to talk to him, and he gives you a little bit of a uh, little bit of a guide on the Halalu quests. Um, you know, just saying, like, oh, you have to go pay off this person. Uh, you have to find Dram Barrow. I like that. Uh, get, you know, getting into the basement of this haunted manor. Well, yeah, because it just says haunted manor on the <laughs> yeah. door, and there's just like somebody's just playing a spooky haunted house tape. Yep. Like, there's nothing haunted <laughs> about it. It's just scaring people away. Mm-hmm. And so but, the fact that you, you know, make your way in and get through, there's like, yeah, that's enough for me. Have fun. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And it, he just wants you to find him. So, you, again, you just talk to everybody about about the same thing and they disagree. But you just have yeah. to hunt them all down. Mm-hmm. Um, um, Orvis Dren is pretty cool because he reveals that um, Dagother has, has approached him, too. Like he's trying to do the same thing. Um, mm-hmm. And in order to win him over, you have to promise to chase uh, the Empire out of uh, Morrowind. Hmm. I think that that I had a different uh, different interaction with him because I think I'd had an interaction with him earlier in House Halau. Oh, okay. Like uh, my disposition was changed, or I had to do something different with him. Like I, you have to kill his guards as part of the Thieves Guild quest. You have to do something with him as part of House Halau. Like he's a pivotal kind of point. So I did not have that interaction, but that's really cool. Yeah, I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that gets you Halalu. Um, Talvani is really irritating if you don't have a way to levitate. Yeah. Um, I hadn't quite I even dis- tell you that I think like when you're heading out that way, mm-hmm. like bring some levitation potion, potions. I, I hadn't quite figured out the divine, the divine secrets of the travel stained pants. So I yeah. was, uh, scrounging around and they place, uh, you know, potions of levitation around, but, uh, they're not enough to, you know, quite make a go of it. Right. Yeah. Because you have to, you have to talk to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. The, um, yeah. So, the, and they all have this kind of thing. So if you don't have like that belt of net flight is a program, like you, you know, you just, you have to grab that bad boy. Um, as soon as you can, as far as, as far as being able to fly, mm-hmm. um, cause the, the traveling pants, which I didn't even use cause I had this belt, are they constant or is it a, a timed effect? It is a timed effect. So you just activate it. Cause the, the belt's constant. Oh, like wow. you, you just put it on and take it off whenever you want to fly. And oh. it's really cheap. It's like $200 or something like that. Damn. It's just, I've only found one guy who sold it. It's it sold. It. It's the guy who's, um, he's in the basement of the foreign quarter, the enchanter down there. Um, and so they, he also has a permanent, uh, star vision amulet hmm. which is super or night vision amulet which is super useful yeah i'm gonna have um, to go there yeah that guy that guy's really great um so this one you kind of have more interesting things to do as well um there is a uh there's a, a classic misandrist uh mistress <laughs> Dratha, who uh who hates all men because that's a thing that, <laughs> that exists um but it's because of systematic oppression in uh in vardenfell so yeah, yeah. Misandry cannot exist in Vardenfell, just the same way they cannot exist in the real world. <laughs> you have to grovel in front of her. If you're a female Nereverine, uh, she will just, you know, name you the Hordador yep. and uh, just give you a bunch five, of potions. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah, go for it. Uh, yeah, that's a little bit uncomfortable. Um, yeah. There's also this uh, kind of like uh, Th- Therana who is egg obsessed. She has like a childlike mind and you have to figure yeah. out when to when to uh, interrupt her her story or else she will just keep talking forever. Mm-hmm. about eggs yep um again like just kind of di- disposition based mm-hmm. um and there's some people you have to kill as as well um from here mm-hmm. um so gothan is the kind of the one who will never never go for you and it's interesting because he just he just like kind of like stonewalls you 
Yeah. Like he won't say one way or another. He kind of was just like, well, I can see both sides of the argument. Perhaps <laughs> the truth is somewhere in the middle he, and uh, just will never give you an answer ever. Yeah. Like he, he just says he will, but never will. Yeah. He, he says, I will consider it. And uh, if you have your disposition high enough, he says, no, I'm never actually going to do this. I'm just going to lock you out in a bureaucracy. And even the, you know, the, your first contact here says, yeah, you're never going to get anywhere with him. So you might as well just kill him. Yeah. And then he even says like, and just so you know that I'm not fooling with you, like, I have a reason for him to die. I do have a vested personal interest in this, but we both do. Yeah. Like Telvani's really cut through, and that's how you advance <laughs> yep. in that. So it doesn't matter if you want to go kill people. If you kill um, everybody, um, there's a there's like a note in your journal that says, um, "I am. I guess. I guess I'm the hortador now because I killed yeah, everybody." <laughs> yeah. Or or for the the house, if you join house house Telvani and kill everyone, you say, "Well, as the only remaining Telvani, I'll appoint myself house leader or whatever," <laughs> which is pretty great. Yep. Um. But you do those three things, and then you're on to the fifth trial, which is the uh, the Ashlanders mm-hmm. um, to uh, to convince them. And there are three different tribes: um, the, the Ahemusa uh, tribe, which um, you know you have to. They have these kind of uh, these these politics that you have to to sort out. But mostly, you have to clear this, uh, make this Daedric ruin safe mm-hmm. for their wise woman. Um, which is kind of interesting because what's actually happening at this ruin is kind of cool. Yeah, um, there are a bunch of ordinators who are there, who are trying to break up essentially this, like, they keep calling it a party, um, these people who follow the mad god, uh, Shigaroth, um, who are just having this essentially, like, orgy of violence yep. there. And they're just like, you know, have a drink, you know, go go crazy. Um, and you can kill everyone. You can wait for them to kill each other. Or you can, if you talk to the right people, um, you can convince them both that you don't have, you know, that your, uh, your needs are not, at odds mm-hmm. um you have to tell the ordinator that you're not you that you're just there to loot ironically <laughs> like i'm not there to sacrifice anything i just want the money and he'll leave you the, all the ordinators will leave you alone mm-hmm. and then you talk to the leader of the uh the cult or the uh the, the religious zealots and say that uh you kind of tell the sob story of this tribe <laughs> and they're like oh they should they should get an invite to the party they're fine <laughs> and then no one will attack you yeah i uh I, or you could do like i did anywhere they're fighting just let the let it progress and then kill the stragglers, like just playing yeah. like Half-Life. <laughs> yeah. You know, they, they do a lot of summoning. So th- some of those fights can take a long time. Yeah. Some of those golden saints and shit. Yeah. But then you have to escort the wise woman to it. Fuck this and, so like, much. Yeah, I hate it th- so Whenever you have to much. do uh, these escorts, it's really annoying because their pathing is really shitty. Mm-hmm. And I'm a, I am levitate above the world because that's how, you know, I just <laughs> go as the as the, the Dutch flies mm-hmm. when I go to these places. But I don't want to deal with babysitting somebody who can't do that. Mm-hmm. And the wise woman can walk on water. Which is kind of merciful, but it means every single time there's a slaughterfish anywhere in the water, she aggros to she it. She runs to it. Yep. Yeah. Ugh. So bad. Oh like I, I wish that I, if if I was more patient or less patient, I'm not sure which. I would probably just figure out how to summon her into that room, and uh, yeah. skip that. But I wanted to do it so yeah. I could talk about it. I knew I was going yeah. to hate it, and yes, I do. So yeah, it's it's not great. Yeah. Um, this next one's not great either. You know, like. Yeah, Zainab. Zainab's a real piece of work. Um, you had to clear out this family vault of vampires, which Sweet. is like happens to the best of us. Um, <laughs> but then his main quest is like he wants a plump Telvani high lady wife. Mm-hmm. And then so that's kind of gross, but it's like, OK. But then you you talk to the, the wise woman and she just says trick him by buying a slave <sighs> and dressing her up like one. Uh-huh. Um, and then like this is gross, not just because like one, because you're buying a slave to be this person's wife, which is gross. It's extra gross because she's just like, this is great. I feel so elegant and glamorous. Yep. <laughs> he seems like a good man. Like it is really like like we've we've advanced a lot. <laughs> we have a long way to go. But like, 
Yeah, that's that's a little bit gross. Mm-hmm. And you're essentially playing um, the the oh gosh the wall market um, from Final Fantasy VII oh, because sure. like essentially yeah. you have to you have to buy this this type of pheromone to use and you have to buy you know these kinds of clothes in order to like dress her up and hope that she passes. Yeah. Yep. And then and then finds out he knows he just doesn't care because he's a classic horn dog. Yeah. The um and it's like it's it's it reminds you a little bit of that Lady Boyle's last party mission mm-hmm. from Dishonored. Yeah. Um, which if we recall, like that solution, the peaceful solution to that thing is also gross. Yeah. Where you you know sell this woman into uh, essentially sex slavery. Yeah. Um, it just doesn't seem like that should be a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I like again, I like raise my disposition to him to a hundred to see if I could bypass the quest, and I couldn't. Right. So I just did it. <sighs> sad yeah. and don't feel great about it nope. but um yeah and then there's the uh Ara- 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 yeah Ara- <laughs> who you just kill some people yeah you just go and you like oh this, the, the the leadership here is corrupt we need to get this person and uh, you know to, to the four of the tribe and to do that we need to kill everybody else who opposes them so go and do this you know slay them in their yurts take all of their you know ancestral gear bring it back and he will be the new leader and he will name you Nerevarine. have fun yeah and there's kind of a little cool bit where he doesn't want to be mm-hmm. the leader um and he has no confidence but you can kind of give him a speech and give him this equipment that you stole from the uh the former leaders mm-hmm. and say like this is the cloak of wisdom he had it and gave him wisdom and and stuff and depending on your disposition you get to keep some of it if you want but at this point money was useless and you know weight was the only currency that mattered yeah and to me like i only wanted the lightest of treasures <laughs> so um, but, uh, after this point, like you've got the, basically the whole island on your side, except for the temple who ever since you were named Nereverine, if you encounter any of the ordinators, they're going to come after you because this is heresy of the highest order, right? Yeah. Um, even though you did get a note that said like, once you've accomplished these goals, come meet me yeah. at the temple yeah. from, uh, from Vivek. Mm-hmm. Vivek himself, who is kind of the God who is both keeping the, uh, the ghost fence up and keeping this blight contained, um, and also keeping the ministry of truth from crashing into this island. Yeah. And uh, when you get there, I can't remember what it is, but don't you have to do like a really annoying little like fetch quest before you can even get in? You have to like break into an office and talk to a guy who gives you a key. It's really dumb. Yeah. Like it's just like, okay, like just put up some more barriers between, you know, the momentum and me mm-hmm. here. But eventually you get in and I like this encounter with Vivek a lot. That's great. Yeah. Vivek's great. Because he's, you know, he's hovering in a lotus position and all of his dialogue is voiced. It's this weird, otherworldly, echoey kind of thing. And he, you know, if you want to, you, you he'll, he'll talk to you about what it's like to be a god. Yeah, he's real open. And he's very, like, uh, again, that uh, impartial or kind of apathetic. Like, he's very objective about himself. Mm-hmm. So you can say, like, hey, buddy, like, you've been persecuting these priests. You know, you killed the, uh, you helped kill the, the Nerevarine. Um, you know, back in the day, like, why did you do this? And he's just like, you know, he doesn't, you know, you presume to judge a God. He's just like, mm-hmm. I respect you for asking that question. This is why I did that. You know, like he's very uh, even tempered in a way that's like really cool. Yeah. Um, Vivek is a, you know, kind of a favorite figure in lore speculators around um, this game and this series even um, mm-hmm. for kind of being this figure who. Uh, breaks the reality of the world in such a way that exposes it as a video game or a piece of fiction. Yeah. So this is where like the notion of like what the elder scrolls are in this, in this idea of chim, which is this concept of godliness where you're aware that you're a piece of fiction and simultaneously not. And this gives you, you know, access to how to make and unmake reality. Um, So that's a thing. Yeah. 
I, I read there's like a long essay that uh, our friend Vivian posted on uh, the Facebook thing that I read that is good and also just a like a level of entry into this that I don't yeah. I'm not that interested in. Mm-hmm. Like it is cool. It is a it is a cool idea. The actual experience of getting there is not as so fun for me. Yeah. So. Yep. But it, it is it is there if you want to pursue it. Um, what's what's really yeah. cool about this, though, is, you know, he gives you this plan and says, hey, uh, you have my backing now. We need to handle this Dagoth Ur situation. It's becoming untenable. Um, and he gives mm-hmm. you the plan, which involves, you know, gathering these tools of Kagarak and uh, making your final assault. Um, on these houses, these ash vampires within within Red Mountain, but uh, again, playing into this conflicting histories thing, he has these books behind him that give um, kind of like all sides of the account of the battle at Red Mountain. Mm-hmm. So it kind of like let's he like he leaves it up to you to decide where he figures into this. Yeah, and he even you know he says like this is the truth, but this is the reason why I allowed that lie to kind of propagate and everything. Like he's just so open mm-hmm. that it makes it hard to think that he's being deceitful. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also like his plans are <laughs> organized to a degree that seem unnatural to me. Like it's like you know step one, do this, 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 and this. Step two, like he's 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 signed up with like MerlinManager dot com and has just done this printout of his itinerary for uh, attacking Dagather when all the rest of his speech is very like stilted and and mm-hmm. you know flavored. Yeah, he provides like backing for why he wants to do this and says, you know, he will assume you want to join because you are climbing through the ranks and all of this. Like it's very it's very well thought out. Yeah, it's a, it's essentially like a PowerPoint <laughs> that he gives you, like a twelve point twelve step PowerPoint on how you know how to do this. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about the kind of the back path is what is what this is called uh, to kind of beating the game. Uh, if you um, kill Vivek, um, you pick up this Dwemer artifact, which kind of makes uh, Yagram that uh, Dwemer from before the, mm-hmm. the 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 fat guy with the spider legs. Um, your primary quest giver that gets you in there, and uh, he's the person who helps you figure out like what to do with Wraithguard, right? Yeah, and it can help you repair it if it if it breaks. Mm-hmm. Um, Wraithguard is a glove that allows you to handle these artifacts. Yeah. Um, so essentially, you need to grab this hammer and grab this short sword and hit this heart yep. with it in a specific kind of order. There, He hints that there's a way to do it that will actually send you to godhood, mm-hmm. but will not tell you how to do it. Right. You know, and I, and part of this, like, when you actually get to uh, Dagothur and, like, you don't get the, you know, I could turn you into a god speech. And I think that would have probably been an ending that was cut. They talk about being able to align with the the sixth house mm-hmm. um, because as is, you know, he's like, well, I, I offered you friendship, but fuck it. Mm-hmm. We're going to fight. Yeah. So this makes it pretty clear. You're going to go into what is very definitely the final stretch of the main quest, you know, because mm-hmm. you're in this blasted land around this volcano going into these ancient Dwemer ruins, which are kind of held in state. Right. Yeah. Yep. And uh, this whole area is incredibly hostile. Um, there are lots of cliff racers, but then there are also like, cause there's, there's these loading screen monsters, you know, you see whenever you start and they all look really cool, but you don't run into very many of them. Um, but here's where a lot of them kind of come home to roost. Um, uh, and you, and you see these, like, uh, just these weird leech faced monstrosities. Like, I think the monster design in this game is pretty strong, mm-hmm. um, stronger than later entries in the series. Kind of oddly enough, just because everything kind of looks like an abomination rather than just kind of a fantasy monster. Yeah, it's not out of a monster manual, you know? Yeah. yeah. So the last kind of like leg of this is similarly flabby to the fourth and fifth trials, if we're being mm-hmm. honest. Like, fortunately, the Ash Vampire raids are mostly optional. There's a there's a stated benefit that killing them will make Dagoth Ur weaker. 
I'm not sure mm-hmm. if that is substantiated in the numbers or not, like in the grand spreadsheet that lays behind the, you know, what you see um, and experience the, here. It, yeah, unless it's fixed in a patch, it doesn't work. Right. Like it's widely considered to be a thing that is supposed to happen, but because of a scripting bug doesn't. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't actually make him weaker. Um, the other reason to go kill these Ash Vampires is because they each have a really powerful artifact. Mm-hmm. But they're the exact kind of powerful artifacts that, like, my character build never needed to use. Mm-hmm. The, like, you know, like, Fortify Restoration, 10 points for 60 seconds. Fortify <laughs> Shield, 10 points for 60 seconds. Like, just the kind of thing that would require more upkeep yeah. than I was willing to do with mm-hmm. for my, my play style, which was turn invisible and stab things until they died. Yeah. Um, to where, like, I, they weren't that useful, even though I went and got them all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And none of them are interesting dungeons. No. And they're all pretty much identical, actually. In, yeah. Like theming and a lot of layout, too. Like you can kind of see the seams where they're pulling from this construction kit. Yeah. Yeah. Like if there was a single button that activated all of those magical items, like, okay, you know, you have you know, this thing, this thing, this thing, and this thing, just fire it off like it's your... Blood. Your mega buff for a yeah, minute. Yeah. Your mega buff for a minute, which is necessary because every fucking enemy in this last leg will damage your stats. Yeah, damage, stat damage is really bad. Like that is – so it's one of those things that I, I've never found a way to like elegantly put it. But the kind of thing that happens in RPGs where it is just meant to take up an inventory slot. Mm-hmm. Like it's like the the safety bit in Final Fantasy where like what this does is like there are enemies that can do this, which means you need to carry around five or six po- individual rep- restore stat potions mm-hmm. of each kind. So it just takes up inventory room. Yeah. It's an inconvenience after you fight a bone, you know, a, a bone lord or a bone, a greater bone walker or whatever, mm-hmm. who's going to damage your strength. So you can't walk around with your equipment. You just have to chug two of these potions, but it just means like you just have to have this thing. And that's just not that interesting to me. Mm-hmm. You know, like you can you can frame it as like you need to be prepared for this situation, but the situation is not that fun. Mm-hmm. It's like, did you get um diseased at all? Like before you got the the immunity to common disease? Yeah, like a couple like blight diseases and stuff. Yeah, like that. The, the diseases aren't very fun in this game either. No, like they're they're not very fun mechanics. Mm-hmm. Um, so like stat damage, and it's not temporary. Like it is like you have to drink a potion to fix it. Yeah. It's like level drain in D anD D, and level drain's the worst. Yeah, like that's fucking annoying. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it is. It is literally just meant to be like an inconvenience of the worst kind. Like, you know, there there can be inconveniences, but they need you to like, I don't know, just it needs to lead to something interesting to surmount those. And the the solution is just, you know, go out there and have something in your inventory. And, you know, I haven't talked a lot about the interface in this. Yeah. But like, dear God, do I want to have Skyrim's interface just like modded into this? Yeah. Like, And that's saying something because Skyrim doesn't have the best interface. No, but the the actual way of managing your inventory and like equipping spells and stuff like that is really cumbersome mm-hmm. um, like, in this game. You have a bunch of like, okay, so you're carrying around a bunch of potions. In order to see what any of them is, you have to mouse over it. Yeah. Like nothing yep. is named. You just have there's, to There's of, no like, way to oh. sort. Yep. So like there's no way, like everything kind of defaults to alphabetical, but not alphabetical by like classification mm-hmm. or anything like that. And whether something is like restore strength potion or potion of restore strength, mm-hmm. we'll put it in different areas. Yeah. Of the alphabet or quality potion of restore strength mm-hmm. is in another area or weak potion are in <laughs> under the W's. Yep. So they're like sorted by adjective. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's not meaningful. So there's no way to sort by weight. <laughs> like, boy, should you be able to sort by weight? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, oh boy. And so what this means is you're introduced to a whole class of enemy in this. Not introduced, but like inundated with enemies who just have an attack that says, go do some bookkeeping for 30 seconds so you can con- continue this fight. Yep. Yeah. And, th- and that's that's frustrating. Yeah. You know, and like, again, like, 
I feel like I ameliorated some of it just by being a sneaky piece of shit um, <laughs> in this game. But it, when it came up, it was always a pain in the ass. And I could see like, you know, conventional wisdom is to play this game as a as a melee fighter. I could see how obnoxious that would be because of this yep. specifically. Yeah. So. so you go about some of these places have the, you know, the artifacts you're looking for. Some of them don't. Um, but ultimately you are going into the heart of Red Mountain itself, mm-hmm. which is where Dagothur is. It's a great place for a villainous lair. Yeah. Yeah, it works. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you get in there, he starts talking to you immediately, mm-hmm. um, which is really cool. And there are those kind of like those uh, Cthulhu faced priests that look mm-hmm. like the, the space jockey from Alien. <laughs> um, those things are great. Um, there are like really cool monsters in here. Um, and, and you can, that are, they're just kind of wandering around and they're really tough, but you really just have to kind of make your way to the bottom yeah. of this. Yeah. It's not an exceptionally large final dungeon. It's not exceptionally interesting. You've seen a bunch of stuff before. This is the same kind of template. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, you're just going deeper and deeper. And eventually you get some, some exposition with him. And, uh, it is, it is very interesting. Like, it is an interesting conversation with the villain mm-hmm. because like one, he said, you know, earlier he extended you the branch of friendship and said like, Hey, let's rule together. And here he's like, I've decided not to do that, which again, I think was like a time concession yeah. more than anything. But he asked you some like questions, which I, I alluded to a lot earlier where he's like, you know, do you actually think you're the, the Nerevarine? And you can say no, but I'm going to kill you anyway. Mm-hmm. And that's the only answer that gets respect <laughs> from him. <laughs> Like, you know, he doesn't necessarily buy into this thing either. But if you're just like, it doesn't matter. I am a self-made man, mm-hmm. which is, is the most satisfying thing you know, for me <laughs> in this game. Uh, he's like, he's into it. Yeah. And then as kind of a measure of respect, he gives you the first blow, regardless of how the conversation shakes out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, t- it's a tough fight. Like he has, you know, allies he can summon in. Uh, mm-hmm. He can just make it so you can't move. So you can't hit him with these stat things. Yeah. At this point, yep. I'm going to be honest with you. I consoled in a bunch of restore um, restore actions, pushes. Yeah. Uh, just because I didn't feel like going out and oh, that'd be a nightmare. Yep. Like, yeah, like, like trying to like travel back to like going back here from, cause there's no way to, to quickly do it. I mean, you could, you can mark and then like divine intervention, mm-hmm. but, um, I don't think you can use mark and you actually can't use those there. Mm-hmm. Cause doesn't he say like, you can't use divine. He specifically says you can't use divine intervention in this place. Yep. He will know if you're using a turbo controller. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that is, that is just, yeah, that's egregious. So even though they give you a lot of warning to prepare, mm-hmm. I just like, I don't know, like my mind glosses over preparing for that stuff because I hate it so much. Like maybe I just want to pretend like it doesn't exist. <laughs> well, preparing for that stuff in any other game would just be make sure that you're leveled up and that you're confident with the equipment that you have. Yeah. <laughs> there should have really been like one potion that just record, restored all stats mm-hmm. to max instead of like seven different classifications for each stat. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that was really obnoxious. I agree. Um, when you kill him, he doesn't actually die. Um, and you go into this chamber after him where he's standing there and the hearts in the bottom of this chamber. It looks really cool. Oh yeah. There's this gigantic, uh, like, you know, figure mm-hmm. where the, where his heart is there and you have to kind of fall to it. Um, and the way that I did this was to turn invisible mm-hmm. to get by him and then just do it quick enough to where he couldn't fight me again. Yeah. Because once you start fucking with the heart, he will teleport behind you and start attacking you. Mm-hmm. You just have to be quick. Yeah, um, I did the same thing. I slow. I just ran past him, slow fell. No invisibility, but it was it was effectively the same, um, you know, the same outcome mm-hmm. around that. This is a neat chamber. Like he's got this gigantic mecha, this Dwemer thing. He's trying to turn it into the, like a new god. Yeah, um, and this is like a callback. Like the the way Daggerfall ends is kind of the same thing. Like 
Cyberceptim has you, you know, or is, or is putting together like basically this thing's twin in order to like rampage across the land. Yeah. yeah. Isn't it interesting? Like the way that like, uh, arena and Daggerfall probably have all kinds of this interesting lore stuff, but like they are so unplayable that that mm-hmm. stuff will just never become known yeah. like through play. Like you can read about it, but like going back to play Daggerfall or arena seems like way too far for me. It's and it's a little bit of a shame too because like playing Morrowind to completion makes me really want to go in and tr- you know check out Oblivion and Skyrim again because yeah. all of a sudden I have this like I have this insight into a little bit of the past right yeah and I like like playing either of those either of the first two games would probably have a similar effect like oh I understand the significance of this now like that isn't just this strange you know fantasy concept that they're throwing in like I understand what the impact is behind mm-hmm. there. But fuck if I'm ever going to do it. Yeah, it's just like I, I've tried to play Daggerfall before and it is not playable by my my standards. It's just it's a little bit too too obtuse. And I found this to be out too obtuse for a long time, mm-hmm. you know, which it's not like <laughs> I, I don't think that is true anymore. But it made me really want to, I mean, we should we'll save our wrap up thoughts for later. But like it made me really want to play Oblivion again, too, mm-hmm. um, just because I wanted it to do cool stuff. Yeah. And that, I think some of those weaknesses are going to come out in our next episode. Mm-hmm. Um, after you destroy this artifact and you make your way out, uh, Azura shows up and kind of closes everything out. Mm-hmm. Um, the blight clears up, which is a really cool concrete effect on the world. Like the world is prettier and the game doesn't end. Like you get to go and do <laughs> quests because when you go back and talk to Vivek, he says you're now like the protector of Morrowind mm-hmm. or of uh, uh, Vardenfell. Yes. Um, and also they know what they did with the stat damage stuff because Azura gives you Azura's blessing, which restores all of your stats back to regular. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Which should have been a cheap potion. Fuck you. Um, yeah. <laughs> Fuck you. Fuck you, Azura. Um, but that is, that's the main quest. Mm-hmm. Of, uh, and we're going to, you you know, because of the way these episodes are shaking out, we're going to do a lot of our wrap up stuff. We're going to spread that out. Yeah. So if you want to hear our kind of like final thoughts, keep listening <laughs> to future episodes. But I think we're going to call it there and, and, and move on because we're recording two episodes today. Yes. Um, but yeah, so that that's the main quest. The main quest, um, just as far as just wrap up stuff specifically on the main quest, mm-hmm. um, out of the three Elder Scrolls games I played, it's by far the best one. Yeah. Like, that's actually pretty strong as much as we complained about those flabby middles. Like, it is a really cool story. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it is it is a really, really awesome kind of story and has the right balance between urgency and freedom mm-hmm. that uh, the later entries don't have, yeah. I don't think. Not to get too English major on it, but I love how it kind of takes the narrative of the chosen one and says it doesn't really matter if you are or not. The, 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 the outcome is the same, like, mm-hmm. depending on, like, the will you exert around this. You know? Right. Yeah. There's so much about that's about like belief mm-hmm. in it, and like in a similar to, like a planescape kind of way. Like at some point, Vivek even like hints and says something about like how the reason he has the power to uh, hold up the ghost gate is because people believe in them. Mm-hmm. You know. So like when he when you're asking him to justify why he told these lies, it's like, well, I needed people to to believe in me because otherwise I wouldn't have this power to do this thing. Yeah. So it's all really cool. Yeah. Like it is cool, and this is this is this is again final final wrap up thoughts will come later. But like, I was very satisfied with the ending of this uh, this main quest. Me too. Yeah. Um, what uh, what are we doing next time? Well, next time, like we said uh, towards the beginning of the episode, we are exploring the thieves, fighters, mages, and assassins guilds um, mm-hmm. in this particular game, um, and that's going to be coming in one week after you're hearing this. It'll be <laughs> one week till you hear that sode. Um, <laughs> And, and that will be a shorter episode mm-hmm. because 
the, we're covering a lot of stuff, but like, again, it's so similar. Yeah. Verbs in, in Morrowind, go here, grab this thing, go here, kill this person. That's mm-hmm. essentially what everyone asks you to do. We're just going to hit the highlights that are a little bit more interesting than that. Mm-hmm. Those are, so it'll be a little bit shorter episode. Third episode after that is going to be about the Great House quest and miscellaneous side quest and probably the place where we'll sit down and actually talk about why the level up system doesn't work mm-hmm. and get some generalities out of the way. Um, for that. So all together, it should form as complete a picture of Morrowind as we can do in three episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it might not be 100% like kind of front to back complete. Yeah. Because this game is incredibly resistant to that kind of reading. So, yeah. Um, after that, we're doing Rock Band. Yeah. I am so excited about this game. Yeah. That, that's going to be like a, a palate cleanser and a half mm-hmm. um, just because it is uh it's exercise mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and, and the, the, the lore of rock band is significant, but not nearly as obtuse. <laughs> I mean, like I want to know what happened to that stupid band from the intro sequence. Yeah. I know what happened to that idiot with the fucking haircut. <laughs> um, yeah, I hate the rock band character design so much. It's so bad. Um, yeah, the, uh, but, uh, yes, yeah, so we're doing that. And then our, our poll, yes. our action RPG poll, mm-hmm. which you can find by going to patreon.com slash duck TV. Yep. Um, there are also ratings, uh, reviews, um, the Amazon tip jar, duckfeed.tv forward slash tip jar is very important in this yep. holiday season. Mm-hmm. If you, uh, if you celebrate, um, duckfeed.tv forward slash store, um, the, uh, Super Mario Labs make a great Christmas present for <laughs> somebody with very specific taste and who appreciates a digital Christmas present. <laughs> that, that is, is not conventional in any way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. If you have any thoughts on Morrowind, we've already, we've already received like a lot. This is going to be a pretty meaty exosode mm-hmm. uh, that follows the, uh, the 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 main three parts. Um, go to duckfeed.tv slash contact and uh, send those our way. Yeah. And uh, yeah, until next time, what should they watch out for, Cole? They should watch out for stat damage because fuck yeah. that. You're having phone sex with me right now. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) uh, Stretch a condom over that pop screen. Yeah. Because you're going to get funny fucked in the ears by the Watch Out for Fireballs, boys. Yeah. (laughs)